0: We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call.
1: Welcome, Auburn, into another week of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9. The Tiger Don FM and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan Lavoie, the host of this show. Today, I've got Tom Peavy with me for the full three hours as we discuss everything going on in the world of sports. Of course, we'll take your phone calls on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line today, 334 887 3401 locally or toll-free 9 tiger 9 if you'd like to give us a call today. We'll be discussing several things, of course, in the world of sports. Some Auburn basketball, another victorious weekend for the Tigers as they were able to pull away and down top 25 Ole Miss. Of course, top 25 at the time, Ole Miss. Tigers still undefeated in SEC play. We'll recap that one. Also update you how high Auburn has gotten in the rankings. Spoiler alert, welcome to the top 10 for the first time this season. We'll update you on college basketball everything going on there of course we'll update you as needed with transfer portal stuff not too much happening over the weekend that's really the first time in a while that's been the case although there are a couple teams nationwide that continue to make out like fat cats after alabama's departures uh so a couple schools that worth mentioning at some point also want to talk uh a couple other things about the nfl playoffs another another divisional round in the books four games this weekend three of the four were quite watchable and quite good so we'll talk a little bit about those and as we always do on monday best and worst of the weekend towards the end of the show and oh yeah just a word or two as well about the ongoing defensive coordinator search for auburn as there might be another turn or twist to tell you a little bit more about later today again a lot to talk about still on this monday afternoon Ryan LaVoy and Tom Peavy with you here. Tom, I hope you had a great weekend, sir. Yeah. I know that uh, you had a uh, a little bit of what, a Mardi Gras ball? Marty, ball, uh, ball, excuse me, uh, not a bar, although. Please, I, I did yeah. go to one of those. <laughs> right. uh, but you had a good time, hopefully, down in the uh,
2: Mobile area, correct? That is correct, yeah. It was a, it was a great weekend. Uh, down there were some amazing folks. Uh, they're all friends of, of Michelle, my girlfriend. They're all friends of hers uh, that she kind of grew up with, worked with, went to school with. Uh, and their are significant others, So, you know, it's, I have become friends with them through her and, uh, they're, they're great, great people and uh, a lot of fun to hang out with. And just the whole environment just down there, uh, is fun. And then I got to see a couple of other old friends of mine, uh, that just happened to be do, happened to be doing a comedy show down there. Uh, a couple of guys that I haven't, one of them I haven't seen in 20 some odd years. The other, uh, it's maybe close to 10, uh and just happened to they just happened to be together doing a comedy show at a at a place there in Mobile, so I got to see them uh It was just a great time with great people and uh I enjoyed it as, as I always do down there It was cold now i now I will say this it was cold it was not as cold as it was up here' Cause I know here it was into the teens, yes, but it was into the twenties in yeah. Mobile, and there was wind blowing off the river. And of course, if anybody's ever been to downtown, you're right on the river. I mean, you're right there at it. So, it was windy and cold, but a lot of fun. However, I did not neglect my duties as a sports broadcaster. I kept up with everything, maybe to an annoying state of checking my phone, good, especially during the Auburn basketball game. So, I did not neglect my duties. Good. I, I kept in touch. I kept in touch with everything that's going on. So, I am. I am fully uh, packed with knowledge uh-huh. and opinions and ready to talk about everything that went on this past week.
1: Excellent. That's all we ever asked for is uh, being, uh, being full of knowledge and opinions. That's, that's, uh, that's what we do here.
2: People say I'm full of something. It's usually <laughs> not knowledge and opinion, but for well, today I'll be full of knowledge and
1: opinion. <laughs> that, again, that is the goal. So let's get to it. Auburn basketball, they certainly got to it inside of Neville Arena Defeating Ole Miss this past Saturday by a score of 82-59. to The Tigers once again with a dominating first half of play. They were up 19 at recess against the Rebels. And then Auburn still narrowly outscoring Ole Miss there in the second half. And again, this Tigers team, they continue their win streak. They continue to not have a single-digit win even. in this win streak. What were your thoughts from uh, this past Saturday's
2: latest triumph for Auburn? Um, Not surprised Uh, at home. And I'm going to – we'll delve more into that in a little bit. But what Auburn does to teams here at home is not surprising. Uh, It's always surprising when it's a close game. And it's like show enough surprising and, and darn near head spinning if they were to lose one at home, which we did see last year. Twice, what, twice last year? I, I know A and and M broke the long home win streak. Seems like there was another one I that dropped. I think Auburn they lost to Alabama, didn't they? Didn't they I get think swept they, by I Alabama? Think did, I think Auburn did get swept by Alabama last year. That's right. Yep. Um you know it's, it's 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 yeah, it's gotten to the point where it's like almost unfathomable to lose one at home. It's gotten to be kind of a surprising shocker if it's a close game at home. So what they did to Ole Miss was not surprising at all. And uh it was, a, it was a continuation of what has made this team so good and what has made this team be one that the national basketball uh, prognosticators and all the talking heads begin to take notice is that this team has not shown a definitive weakness. And they can hurt you up and down the lineup. Their second five is about as good as most teams in the country as a second five coming off it doesn't matter what player on that team is hot, what player is not, somebody is stepping up and and doing damage. Um, Jalen Williams, of course, having a, a season where, you know, he is now competing for SEC Player of the Year. There's obviously a very stiff competition around him that are, that are also having outstanding years, but Jalen Williams is a guy that nobody really thought of. Uh, everybody thought he was a good player, but not SEC player of the year type, but, I mean, he's putting up those numbers uh, both nationally and in the SEC where he is in that conversation. Uh, Chad baker Mazar having a great season. Of course, Janai Broom having a great season. Dylan Cardwell having the best season and, of his career and looking like he's having the time of his life playing yeah. basketball right now. And so there's so many different things with that that makes this team good. And then I think we saw a new thing, a new positive after this game, and, and it's everybody already knew about the unselfish play because you just see that with your eyes. I mean, you could see where – uh, they, in, in fact, there may have been some times where you're like, oh, man, go ahead and take that shot instead of kicking it around. It's like you had that shot, take it. Unselfish. But then when you hear post-game that – Chad Baker Mazzara is getting ready to get subbed into the game in place of Leor Berman, and he tells Bruce, "No, don't put me in right now. Leor's got something going." I, uh, who does that? You don't hear that. Yeah. I, I don't care what level of basketball. You don't hear a guy of that level of play that Chad Baker Mazzara has to say, "No, let's let Leor cook for a little bit because he's got it right now." Wow. That, that, is, that is absolutely incredible that that team can be that unselfish that they can do something like that and, of course, not miss a beat. Uh, it, it's something else. So they are playing a, at an incredible, incredible level of basketball right now, and it's awesome. And now they are in the top ten in the AP poll. But. Oh,
1: no. Why is there a but? Give me a but. Okay, fine. Let's just
2: – let's relax. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I'm not going to sit here and say Auburn, quote-unquote, hasn't played anybody yet. No, they've played plenty of good teams. Right. But their, their biggest competition is still ahead of them. Right. That um, is fair. They have zero, zero quad one wins right now uh, out of all the teams uh, – out of all the teams that uh, I forget how I saw it, it's like the teams that are like in their Ken Palm something or another. Yeah, they're like the only one that does not have a quad one victory right now. Um their quad one games that they've played. They've lost. Um, That's about to change. And that's why for as great as this team has been for as great as they've looked for all the great feelings that are that are here. Anybody that's anybody that thinks that Auburn is going to run the table the rest of the way, you need to pump the brakes real, real hard. I, there will be some losses coming, and I don't want it to happen. But it's a very good possibility that one could be coming Wednesday. Um. So. But if it happens, don't jump ship. Don't just, uh, oh, Lord of mercy, things are falling apart. No, I I mean, I I really think Auburn could probably run the table at home. But there is some very tough road games coming up. And if if Auburn can survive those, if they can survive those uh, unblemished, then there might be something super, super special about this team. I just don't see that happening. In the landscape of college basketball, the way this is going, I mean, there's teams that are losing. I mean, there's top, top teams. Yeah. Okay. There's, there are national championship caliber teams that are dropping games that are just head scratchers. It's going to happen. I, I It's just that's the nature of basketball. That's how it things go. Uh, I don't want to see it. I, In my heart of hearts, I want Auburn to run the table the rest of the way and get to the NCAA tournament with the only two losses being to Baylor and Asheville. Uh Appalachian State. The Appalachian State. Sorry. Why don't I say Asheville? They did play UNC Asheville they they did. they beat them in Huntsville. I don't know why Asheville podcasts. Same in state. Anyway. I mean,
1: starts with an A. Hovering
2: um, around it. Yeah. But yeah, sure, my heart of hearts, I want them to get to the NCAA tournament with their only two losses being that. Sure. That's just right. not that's not gonna happen. So but enjoy the ride right now. Understand you know, that there will be some rough spots and they have not really faced that adversity. And that's one thing that Bruce Pearl said. Bruce Pearl's been trying to kind of warn people, uh, you know, uh, about certain things without just straight out coming out and saying it. But he, one of the things he said is how great this team is playing, how much fun they're having together, how unselfish they are. Yeah, that's cool. They have not faced the adversity yet. Now, how will this team react when they actually face adversity. How will this team react if they go to Tuscaloosa Wednesday and all of a sudden they find themselves down by 12 points? Yeah. Then what happens? Do you rally from 12 and win that game? Do you rally and get it at least close and you lose close? Or does it end up to where Bama runs you out of their own building and you're the number eight team in the country and all of a sudden – You know, Bama's jingling their car keys at you five minutes to go in the second half. I don't know. But Auburn fans need to understand that there are going to be some losses happen because you're just, you're at Alabama, you're at Mississippi State. You still got to go to Ole Miss, who you just embarrassed. You can't tell me that they're not going to be ready to try to get something back from that. You still have to play at Tennessee. Uh, you get Kentucky here. Uh, playing at Georgia, or is Georgia here? Uh, Georgia. I believe they play twice. Is, is Georgia twice? They have typi- okay. well,
1: typically played them twice. I'll double check.
2: I know they are at, at. I know they're at Georgia. Well, so that, so at there's Georgia. at least there's at least a game at Georgia. Uh, and and I'm sorry, anybody yeah, that, they play them twice. Okay, yeah. and anybody that might just like look at you side eye and go Georgia. It's like Georgia is a dangerous team this year. Have you seen what they've done? They just went to Rupp and scored 96. Okay, yeah, they gave up 105. They scored 96 on Kentucky and Rupp. And they're, they
1: had Tennessee dead. They're rights, good. Until they, you're last right. A
2: couple minutes. Exactly. Georgia is a dangerous, dangerous, dangerous team. And you're going to have to go in their place and play. So at Alabama, at Ole Miss, oh, at Florida. Yeah. Auburn has always struggled at Florida. Uh, yeah, Florida is not, you know, not that great, but they're still okay. Uh, at Mississippi State, at Georgia, at Tennessee, I mean, they, there's going to be some losses in there. You're not going to get right. through that unscathed. I just, I don't see that. Now, I want it to, but I, I think the realist of me sees that that's just not, I mean, the best of the best don't even do that. Sure. So, yeah, enjoy the ride, but also kind of, Pump the brakes just a little bit, you know. Let's let's not anoint Auburn as the national champions all of a sudden. Yeah. So
1: yeah, and certainly we'll get back to the uh, the positive things they did. Oh, Almost. Oh, yeah. But uh, but I don't mean that as I, ne- yeah, I don't no, mean I, it uh, negative. I'm just saying
2: realism. Re- right. Realism.
1: Well, and to your point, I was looking this up. So there's six power conferences in basketball. It's the Power Five of football that you all know and love, although the Pac-12 is dying. Got one last year, plus the Big East. Big East has uh, obviously, Creighton, UConn, Villanova, Marquette, etc. So it's it's a power league in basketball. There's six power leagues. Sure, there are only two teams in the Power Six leagues that are undefeated in conference play already. Already right. down to two, Auburn and North Carolina. Yeah, and that's it. Everyone else has lost. Even number one UConn. Everyone else has lost a game already in conference play. So uh, I cert I I saw you know a little bit of what you're referring to. Hopefully the, hopefully the very few that think that Auburn might go undefeated in conference play realize that, again, this is not football. I think there's people that have works. not watched a lot of college basketball. Right. Uh, the positive part of it, though, is the way in which they're beating these teams. Because everything you said is correct. Auburn's going to lose a game. Probably lose a couple of road games. Sure. Uh, plus, there is the tough Kentucky team that will come to Neville. That will be the losable home game. Right. Uh, and, th- again, there will be a couple others. There's always one that just stuns everybody and, and, and that sort of thing. That That's just college basketball. Again, the number one team in the country has already lost a conference game, and they will probably lose another conference game. That That's, again, how it works in basketball. But what has been so impressive about this Auburn team is how thoroughly they are spanking these teams that – are not on their tier. And that's the good news, is they are not playing down in their competition. They are respecting everybody, and they are taking care of the teams they should take care of. Like, they are better than Ole Miss, and we know that. Well, they didn't let Ole Miss hang around. They were up basically 20 at half. They got the lead to around 30 in the second half. And even LSU, I know that they decided that they were done for the day with about 12 or 13 minutes left in that one. But again, when they did that, they were up like 30 points. So again, they are thoroughly uh, blasting these teams. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there is a little bit of an issue of uh, of not playing the entire 40 minutes perfectly. Or, uh, as you said, these teams are not uh, top 25 teams. But, again, they are doing something that... Other teams are not playing this way. Like, for example, Arizona. I'm going to go ahead and give away. Auburn's number eight. If you did not know that, right. Auburn's up number eight in the AP poll. Number nine is Arizona. They jumped Arizona. Yep. Arizona did not lose last week. But the reason Auburn jumped Arizona is on Saturday, Auburn beat Ole Miss by 20-something points. Right. While Arizona was losing at home to a bad UCLA team, a 500-not-going-to-go-the-tournament to, go to the tournament UCLA team. They were losing for about 35 minutes in that game. They did not take the lead till around the under four timeout at right. home. So that's a lesser team Yeah, that Arizona's way better than, or Auburn's way better than, yet they went into Arizona and were up for 35 minutes. And so the point is, yeah, Arizona won. That's the main thing. That's the most important thing. But the secondary issue here is, okay, Auburn could have done that. Auburn could have been trailing Ole Miss for half the game or trailing even the Texas A&M who gives them fits. And while that was close, Auburn still led the whole way just about on AM. There was one little sequence mm-hmm. early in the game and one like 30-second moment in the second half where A&M led. Other than that, Auburn's winning. Auburn's winning. Auburn's winning. And all these other teams, Auburn's blowing them out, blowing them out, blowing them out. And that's even not necessarily normal because some of these teams, even at home, will have whoops for 30 minutes and then wake up and wake up just in time to win with the home crowd, that sort of thing. So – that's the element to it that is why Auburn has gotten this high and why they should be this highly ranked, uh, despite not having any real meat on the schedule yet. Now, it's not for lack of trying, sure. because again, you play Indiana, you expect Indiana basketball to be relevant, and Indiana's just not having a good year, and they might end up having to move on from Mike Woodson, they might miss the tournament. Not in Auburn, you knew about that. Uh, Baylor is still the best team that Auburn's played this season, and Baylor has taken on a few conference losses now, but they are still ranked. I, I tell you, if Auburn played that game now, Auburn would, would win that game. Because even in that game, Auburn led the majority of the game. Mm-hmm. They started to turn the ball over with seven right, minutes but, left, yep. game and right. that's why they lost a close one. Otherwise, I, I don't think they're going to do that at this point in the season, so I believe they'd win. So they. That's, that's the one real game. And then look at Appalachian State. I'm not going to
2: I think Auburn wins that one nine yeah. out of ten times yeah. and that just that's one but of those that happened.
1: It, if you're keeping up with it, I think App's up to fifteen and four. Yep. They might very well win that smaller league. And again, it's the biggest game they've ever played. They have eight thousand seats. Okay, you're going I mean there's some teams that are going to only have 7 or 8,000 people when you play in the even in the SEC. Auburn's is 9. Now their 9,000 is is amazing. Mm-hmm. Auburn's is the best 9,000 you can get in the sport right now, but I mean the the reality is that App State had a environment that was pretty SEC like even if only for one game. So even that I think prepared them to a degree for these other road games now. We'll get more into it tomorrow and Wednesday. The Alabama game is going to be the first, like, this is yeah. a tournament team. Yeah. This might be a back-end top 25 team, just depending on how things finish out the rest of the year. That will be the first actual road game where yeah. you have to play at or near your A game.
2: They they also they have a player who is also a legit SEC Player of the Year type guy.
1: Yeah, Mark Sears. Yes. Yeah, He is – Around 20 points, he is uh, outside threat, inside threat, even though he's a smaller guard. And, again, he, he's quite good. So, And we will break them down more sure. thoroughly. But, but they I was, have a player. They have a yes, baller. Yes. Um, Auburn's going to be a little unfortunate in that I'm almost promising you the individuals are not going to get much recognition in the postseason awards because of playing 22 and 24 minutes a game. right? Like, Jani Broom is a guy that I think would at least make second team, but probably the way he has been playing lately would make first team mm-hmm. if he played 30 minutes a game sure. because he would average 19 and 10 or something in there. Right. I think he's right now averaging about 14 and 7, which is a quality player. But when you play, I think he's averaging 22 minutes a game right now. So you project that out another eight to ten minutes, you give him another five to six points, another three to four rebounds. Again, that's your twenty and ten type of player. It's just that's how this team is because when you aggregate him and Dylan Cardwell, who you brought up initially, they are both combining for this absurd amount of production. Right. And Cardwell's improvement has been crazy uh, to the point where I I did not I just be forthcoming i did not think he'd ever get this yeah broom is 15 and 8 right now on 23 minutes a game and cardwell is six and four and a half and 15 minutes so the two are combining 21 points and about 13 rebounds out of your center spot which is again just incredible production and it's also uh got the block shot element 3.2 blocks per game when you total, when you average out the 1.9 for Broom 1.3 for Cardwell. So that part of it's the same. But that's the kind of thing I mean. Like, if Cardwell was not playing well or Auburn was a different style of team, Broom would be playing 33 minutes a game, not 23. And unfortunately, these people are going to look at the numbers a little too much. Like, I'm I'm skeptical of that. But, but Broom is Broom has been Broom has been good. Just about everyone on this. Jalen Williams has been awesome for like 10 straight games, been just awesome. Uh, and, and that shows no signs of slowing down right now.
2: Yeah well you know my thing is the, the postseason the postseason individual awards, that's great, but obviously and that's you know it's one of those things that kind of goes into the, the team aspect right. of it. W- would you rather have the one guy that is the all-American but you lose a whole bunch of games because everybody else stinks but you got one great guy or would you have a team, that is just the way Auburn is built right now, and yeah. So okay, so you're not going to get the All Americas maybe on there because of the they just don't play as much because you're so deep. I I would take the wins, you know. I would take the team aspect of it, and and that's the thing is uh, when you look at this group up and down the roster, and that's why I, when I say that yeah, there's going to be some losses in here. Also, that part of me goes, well, how, like, how are you going to beat this team? because in previous years you could look any and even in some of the better teams like like that team with Jabari and Kessler that team could not shoot three pointers and it was glaring it was so glaring every time you looked at a box score it was like good Lord stop shooting three pointers um and so with that team it was like well of course so if you're gonna play them the way you beat them is you you put bodies on the inside, you take that game away, and you just dare them to shoot threes, and that's how you beat that team. Uh, there's been other teams where – or other uh, seasons in uh, other Auburn teams that just can't shoot free throws to save their lives. And so the whole thing is try to try to body them up, and if it gets them on the line, then it gets them on the line because they can't shoot. And so we can take advantage of that. Uh There's other, you know, teams that just could not rebound. I mean, there's always been these glaring, just like super glaring weaknesses. I don't – there are some weaknesses on this team. When we had Bruce Pearl on, he said that he's seen it – with his exact quote, I think, was he's seen it without the lipstick on or without the makeup on, however he put it. Uh, And he would not say what the weaknesses are. He just knows there are some. But when you look at box scores week in and week out, you can't really find the weakness. If you if you stop this team, if you bunch up in the middle and you decide that you're just going to take away Janai, and you're going to try to take away the easy underneath baskets, and you're going to kind of force everything out on the perimeter, Auburn has the ability to hurt you there. They've got Denver Jones, they got Aiden Holloway, uh, Jalen can hit from out there, uh, you know, Baker Mazar can hit from out there, Katie can hit from out there, Trey can hit from out there. There's all these dudes that if, that they can bring out there that are three point threats. And like legit three point threats, so you can't just give that to Auburn. Well, then if you push out and you force Auburn to you know to kind of mix and match it to the inside, then they're going to hurt you on the inside. Uh, They you know they're shooting free throws great. This game they were ten of eleven at the free throw line, so you can't just body them up and force them to the line and hope you win there because they're hitting their free throws. Um, They're you're they're Auburn. They lost the total rebound battle here, 30-29, to 29, but they're still still—they're not just getting out-rebounded. They're not just getting just demolished on the boards. So that's my question. It's like, how do you stop this team? Because you can't just take Jalen away. You can't just take Jani away. You can't take Jalen and Jani away because there's other guys that are going to step up. You can't just shut down their starting five because their next five that comes in are darn near as good as the starting five.
1: It's it's crazy. I think actually, so I'm sorry to cut you off, Tom. I think the metric for a while, and it might still be true, was that the second unit actually together was a better
2: lineup right. statistically than the front five. I mean, that's that's just ridiculous. Yeah. So that that's what I'm saying. I I sit here and telling you, I was like, there are going to be some losses. There's just there's no way that you get through the gauntlet that they're getting ready to go through, especially with some of the road games starting Wednesday. But then you look at it, and you're like, I, you know, if I'm a, if I'm an opposing team, and I'm looking at this, like trying to game plan how we're going to stop Auburn, it's like I'm, I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, there is not something that you just look at that you can just go, well, we could take advantage of that. Um, maybe transition. I mean, but yeah, I gracious, mean, well, I mean, if you just, I would
1: say. Getting out in transition yeah, and I mean, not letting Auburn's defense set. Yeah. That, that's, yeah. I mean,
2: I think that's the only thing is you just. I think you have to outspeed right the speed that they have, but it starts with
1: getting a stop. At, exactly. If you can't get a stop, it's very hard to run. Yeah. So,
2: that, that that's the first uh, it, part of it. I this this I'm telling you this Auburn team is probably keeping opponents. Uh, all their analysts and everything that study the film and try to break it down, I'm sure they're keeping some people awake at night because this this team, there's not something that is very easy to stop with them. I mean, they are about as full package of a team as you could possibly ask for right now. Completely agree. And we will
1: talk a little bit more about Auburn basketball throughout the rest of this program. But for now, we need to take our first time out of the Monday edition of Sports Call. When we return, we'll go to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line for the first time today. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9.
0: We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9.
1: Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday afternoon not quite as chilly Tom we are about yeah. to just get soaked though as we warm back
2: up this yeah week. I I heard your uh, yeah I heard your uh, weather statement there and we we're talking about over the next several days of like six to seven inches yeah, of rain it's possible yeah and uh, and then the temperatures hey, hey folks if you didn't like the teens guess what it's gonna be getting close to 70 for the highs <laughs> the time to bust out the short pants yeah. and flip-flops Yeah. Um, don't get comfortable with it though because I think if I unless something changed there's like another like a an Arctic thing yeah. that was like blowing in behind the warm temperatures that might race through here so uh yeah don't don't think that don't think that summer is about to start rolling yeah. in here because it warms up a little bit uh yeah no, this is ju- just a week but I'm yeah. just we had to reset
1: everything, so right. you didn't want to go outside because it was incredibly cold. Now you're not going to go outside because it's going to be raining. It'll be raining, raining everything. <laughs> be
2: every but day. it will be a little bit warmer. Yes, so at least you got that going for you. Uh, yeah, I mean, this weekend was cold, cold. And like I said, I mean, even down in Mobile, Alabama, I mean, it. The wind coming off the river, uh, and then when you get into some of those downtown areas where you've got big buildings on the on the sides, I mean, for anybody that's ever been in a big city, it makes a wind tunnel. And so, just imagine, you know, 24 degrees, and then wind blowing through a wind tunnel at you. It, that was it was frigid all, all the way down okay. there on the Gulf Coast. So, can't even imagine what it was up here. The other neat thing that I thought I pointed it out to Michelle as we were on our way back is all the cars heading south that you could tell had been in the snow because their cars were all completely um, dirty from uh, driving on treated roads, mm. uh, whether like salt or whatever, because yeah. it. it gets all over your cars and so i mean it was just numerous vehicles heading south that you could tell had been up in the northern parts on treated roads that just had that stuff all over their cars it was very noticeable i thought it was pretty funny
1: yeah uh again just wait a week weather weather's gonna change yeah. and then it'll change it again and again and again and eventually it'll just get straight hot but that's still yeah. months away <laughs> still months away 334-887-3401 locally or toll free 1-888-9-TIGER-9 And join us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line Today we go to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line For the first time Matt from Tallahassee Matt is with us Matt, how are you today? War
2: Eagle! War Eagle, Eagle. Man, that was a
3: good game
1: Yes, it was They dominated
3: I'm glad we beat Bama
1: Uh, Ole Miss Ole Miss Oh, you're Uh, talking about women's basketball I'm talking about women, yeah
3: Gotcha I'm glad we beat Ole Miss, too
2: Yes So, hi, Tom. Hey, what's up?
3: Let me guess. Your girlfriend's working, and she didn't pick a trivia question for you to ask
4: me.
2: That 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 she is yes, she has she is at work, and I have not had a chance to get the trivia question from her because we've been in Mobile, Alabama, all weekend. So, uh, I will try to get that from you,
3: from her, uh, for you. Hey, Tom. I'll be nice. I won't charge you. Or I won't fire your girlfriend and
2: I won't charge her. I'll be <laughs> not nice
3: today. Okay. I'll let it slide.
2: I I might be trying to get her in here Wednesday for the last I, part of the show I potentially.
3: I can't call Wednesday.
2: Uh right. well you can listen to us.
3: Yeah. I can call Monday. I'm, I'm, I might I might I might can I might see if I can
2: call Wednesday. I gotta ask my
3: mom first. I you. Gotcha. And but uh uh if you don't hear from me Wednesday, like I said, maybe I can call it Monday and stuff. So, so, but hey, I want to talk about the men's game for Wednesday night. Do you think that we can beat Bama? Because I know Bama, they're gonna be ready to play. They're gonna be mad, and they're gonna to try to knock us off and and lose and not go undefeated. Do you guys think that we can probably beat? Bama on their court. If Tennessee, if Tennessee can beat Bama, you think we have the chance to beat Bama? I, and,
2: we, and what do you think about us playing Florida after that? So, so I I think that Auburn can absolutely beat Alabama there. I think Auburn can beat. I think Auburn can beat anybody in the country. I, I legitimately think Auburn could beat any team in the country right now. However, that game against Alabama in Tuscaloosa is going to be absolutely the toughest game that Auburn has played all season long. Uh, you know they've, they've had the two losses, uh, and that's what that was. But th- this is an Alabama team that, while they do have some losses, they are very, very good, and you're having to go and play on their home court, and that atmosphere is going to be crazy. Uh, so, yeah, Auburn can definitely win, but it is this is going to be the toughest test that Auburn has faced all season long.
3: What do you think about us
2: playing in Florida on their, on their court? Uh, going to be tough. Now, uh, Florida game is later on. Don't it? It's uh, at Alabama and at Mississippi State, um, I think yeah. is the way the schedule goes. But, I, I, listen, anytime you play on the road in the SEC, it's going to be tough. Um, Auburn has now – they've proven that they can win on the road. Uh, going to a very tough environment at Arkansas and doing what they did to the Razorbacks was impressive. They went to Vanderbilt and got a win. So, I mean, Auburn has shown that they can win on the road, but some of these are going to be tough. Alabama's going to be really, really tough. And uh, Florida, while they have not really been that great, I mean, that environment there at Florida is pretty good. It's it's a tough environment to go in and win, and it's a place that Auburn has not won very much at.
3: Yeah, well, here's a question for both of you guys, and I'll start with with you first, Ryan. Um, do Do you see us probably, like, is Auburn's favored in any of the games, like against say Bama, or Mississippi State, or Florida, or Georgia, or are they underdogs in some games?
2: So the I don't know what the line against the Alabama game is right now, but the first line that I saw come out had Alabama favored by a point. Now that may have changed. Um, Right now, with all of those other games, Auburn. Auburn would the only teams that Auburn may not be favored against would be uh, when they play Tennessee, when they play uh, when they play Tennessee, when they play Kentucky. Um, right now, Auburn would be the underdogs in those games. They may end up being an underdog at Alabama when it's all said and done. I know that, like I said, it started out as a one point. I think the others they would be favored in, uh, but it may be really close uh, on the road. Now, whenever Auburn's playing somebody at home, Auburn's going to be favored. and uh, Unless it's a big-time opponent, it's going to probably be a you know, pretty big spread on that.
3: So, so, so you're saying – so, Tom, you're saying that Auburn would be favored against Georgia, at Georgia. Auburn would be favored against, uh, say, Florida, say – when when Bama comes to Auburn, Auburn will be favoring that game. And when uh, Tennessee comes to Auburn, we'll be favoring
2: that game, right? If, if Auburn keeps winning, yes. Uh, if Auburn keeps winning, that's what's that's the way that will shake out. Um, if Auburn keeps winning, when Tennessee when they play Tennessee. Uh, do, do we we do we have a double against Tennessee or is that only, no? I believe it's just on the road. It's only on yeah. the road. Uh, yeah, so that so Tennessee does not come here. Uh, you know, just the way things are going, I don't see. I don't think that Auburn will be favored against Tennessee in Knoxville. Uh, even if Auburn keeps on winning, I don't think Tennessee is going to uh, be the underdog at home against uh, Auburn. Uh, Kentucky still may be a favorite against Auburn here when they come to Neville Arena, but that's going to be a really close one. But that's all that's all kind of predicted on like what happens later on. What you gotta look at is right now, um that Alabama game, like I said, the 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 one coming up wednesday, i i I saw the first line that I saw come out, had Alabama favored by one uh, that could change uh, and will change. Uh, and so there's that. And then I don't know about the Mississippi State game. I would imagine Auburn's gonna be favored on that one. Uh, it won't be a double digit favorite. I've, I'd imagine Oliver would be favored in that one by maybe f- maybe four or five.
3: Do you think it would be favored when we go to Ole Miss? Uh,
2: if they keep winning, yes, but I don't think it would be by much.
3: Wait, hey, I'm cut it I'm short. I was going to tell you when I was in Birmingham, I hit my head while I'm doing a 50 stroke and hit the wall. But like, uh, I, I got to go because my mom we we're having all my stuff up, but Board
1: down, see if I have any questions. Like I said, I'll
3: give you guys an answer next Monday. Sounds good,
1: Matt. All where right, we're buddy. guys. Matt from Talese, Matt for Auburn joining us on the orthopedic clinic phone line. Let's take one more quick time out. Back to wrap up hour number one, right after this. <laughs>
0: Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
1: to sports call tiger 95.9 ryan lavoy tom Peavy, with you here on this monday couple of show items to take care of uh, first want to mention that tomorrow will be a shortened show we'll have Borgard high school basketball on the air again that'll be coming up around 5 30 tomorrow which means we'll get off air about five o'clock tomorrow so again a little bit shorter show a Uh, If you were with us years ago when we used to do the two-hour format, it'll be a two-hour show basically tomorrow, but it'll be from 3 to 5 as we get set for Board High School basketball. There will also be another day later this week where we will have a shortened show. We'll let you know that when the time comes. Also Wednesday, we are planning a special event. Um, We uh, are going to – I'm not going to say it's absolutely final, but we're – we're in the planning stage. We're pretty much, it's pretty much final at this point. Wednesday, we're going to have, uh, our first wacky Wednesday of 2024. And it's going to be a good one. It's going to be of the same vein. I'm not going to give it away, but it's going to be of the same vein of the soda taste testing. That's some of this. It will involve the taste buds. And I will leave it at that. And we are planning to have a very special guest with us in the, in the studio on Wednesday too. Uh, that will, be on the show and uh, be a part of the show for the majority of it. So, Wednesday, you're not going to want to miss out on. We'll be previewing Auburn, Alabama, at the very beginning of the show. Uh, and then we'll have our guest in and we'll have Wacky Wednesday in the five o'clock hour. And so, Wednesday is going to be a good one. We're excited about that. Uh, so, yeah, that's what's ahead the next couple of days. Short show tomorrow, two hour show tomorrow, and then a Wacky Wednesday with a special guest. On Wednesday, so we keep the uh, the times rolling here on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Only about four or five minutes left in this hour. Coming up later in this show, we'll give you an update on the Auburn defensive coordinator search, as there's a new name that might be uh, might be might have become the front runner over the weekend. We'll have some speculation on that. Uh, also, a little bit on the NFL playoffs as uh, we saw divisional weekend come and go. We're now on to conference championship weekend this upcoming week. Four teams left in the NFL. And, of course, in the 5 o'clock hour, we'll have uh, another edition of best and worst of the weekend. But, again, with these last couple minutes of the hour, uh, we'll just kind of finish off with, again, another good weekend of Auburn basketball. Matt brought up briefly, too, the fact that the Auburn women got an SEC win against Alabama Uh, So the two SEC victories with Auburn women are against LSU and Alabama. That's probably the top two. Them and maybe South Carolina would be the ones you'd want to beat the most, and that's who uh, Auburn women have beaten. And then again, the Auburn men with a 23-point beatdown over Ole Miss. Of course, we did not cover this in the first state, uh, first act. Tom, uh, it was the return of Alan Flanagan and Wes Flanagan uh, to the plains. Uh, There was rampant booing. I think also that was in the pregame as well, and uh, Flanagan did not play particularly well. He worked himself into a little bit of a game. He got to double figures. He did actually lead the Rebels in scoring, but he had 10 points on three of 10, which, to be fair, was kind of the story of him and some of the latter moments of him in Auburn. Um, but, yeah, Flanagan has been one of their best players, but Auburn shut him and just everyone down yeah. for Ole Miss.
2: Yeah. <clears throat> that's a Auburn team uh like we said in that that whole first part i mean they they're good on offense they're one of the best in the co- they're they're one of the best in the country uh in yeah. offense and just like effectiveness I, I guess is kind of the parameters efficiency. of the efficiency yeah. that's yeah. efficiency um one of the best in the country in offensive uh, efficiency and one of the best in the country in defensive efficiency uh Again, there's not really a weak part to this team. They're really good on offense. They're really good on defense. They're really deep. Uh, They're really good at twos. They're really good at threes. They're really good at free throws. They're really good at rebounding. They're really good at forcing turnovers. They're really good at getting blocks, even though they didn't have any blocks really much this game until the last segment where the backups had three right there at the end to end the game. Um, They're good there I mean that's that's really the best way you can put it and that's yeah. why the national folks have you have folks ranking them number four uh, a lot of some of the the national uh basketball writers and people like that uh are actually have putting auburn at number four right now yay hey, hey <laughs> it's cool I, yeah. I i like it and I'm excited i mean it it's it, it's an it's an exciting team to get behind and it's a fun team to get behind it's uh very reminiscent of the 99 team uh just by, just from a pure uh excitement and just how stacked they are standpoint uh but again I like I said I you know I I it, I don't want to be negative but it's also you got to pump the brakes a little bit and understand that the there there's going to be some trying times that are going to come up because they have not faced the bet, their best competition of yet we will see what happens there. Now, it, if Auburn goes into Tuscaloosa Wednesday and and just takes them out, then I'm gonna like, good night. Let, yeah. watch out for this team. Now, uh, you know that's gonna be something special if they do that. Uh, I I don't see that happening. I I, I hope to goodness I'm wrong. But uh, I I also didn't think that they'd walk into Bud Walton Arena and win by 30. Even though yeah. Arkansas's bad, yeah. I didn't expect that they'd go into Bud Walton Arena yeah. and do that to them. So, at that
1: point in the year, Arkansas still had the hopes and expectations. Sure. And...
2: So, uh, I mean, anything's possible. But I. But in the in realistic terms and understanding basketball and how things work, you got to understand that Auburn has not faced their best competition yet. That is all still in front of them. Some of their best competition is going to be on the road, which is going to pose its own set of challenges. So just understand that they're – there's going to be some rough times here. This is not going to be a cakewalk through the SEC into the, into the SEC tournament and the NCAA tournament. There, there's no cakewalk here whatsoever. There's going to be bumps in the road, and, and they're most likely going to begin Wednesday.
1: And that stat you said about efficiency, look, I understand. You know, I'm not a huge analytics person myself, and I know many aren't. The one thing I will argue for efficiency the value in that is it does take into, a pl- uh, into play how fast or slow teams play. That's why efficiency matters. Right. And that's why a team like Virginia, the year that they won the title, they were scoring like 68 or 70 points a game, but they were a top-five efficient offense because that's just how slow they played. So sometimes efficiency can be helpful if you've got a team that uh, plays, especially one side, either really fast or really slow. And uh, and Auburn is, is doing a great job no matter the style of game, both offensively and defensively. We are out of time for hour number one. Stay tuned. More of your phone calls on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line in hour number two, as well as some stuff about Auburn's defensive coordinator search, some transfer portal stuff going on nationally, and a little bit later, some stuff in the National Football League. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
0: And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the Plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call.
1: Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday. We are game planning for Wacky Wednesday, man. Every break, we are talking about it. We are excited about this. We hope it will uh, live, live up to it. It's going to be good. Um, let me also give you another hint. I am going to be concerned
2: for some of our well beings
1: <laughs> by, by, by the end of it.
2: I I say we're going to be concerned for everybody's well beings yeah. by the end of it.
1: Well, I, I believe in you. Let me let me say you you have a propensity to be able to handle this sort of thing. So I, I know we're trying to keep it as vague as possible, but again, I, I trust you. I know you seem now you seem nervous, but you said you. Ha-
2: oh no, I'm yeah. not. I'm not nervous. <laughs> but I. I mean, some of these I have tried. Uh huh. And
1: yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So everyone's in danger on Wednesday. So again, you'll want to tune in the five o'clock hour for our really? Wednesday, <laughs> as everyone will be put to the test. Uh, anyway. Yeah. We continue on with this Monday edition of the show, 334-887-3401, toll-free. 1-888-9-TIGER-9, if you'd like to join us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line.
2: Maybe more than our mouths put to test.
1: Okay, yeah, <laughs> sure. Again, more <laughs> more uh, foreshadowing there. Anyway, uh, we go to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line for the first time in hour number two. Wardam Steve. Retired Wardam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you today?
5: I'm doing great, guys. You've got my excitement up for Wacky Wednesday. Now, uh, let me ask you this. Uh, Will your staff be uh, signing any waivers?
1: Yeah, you, know, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, you probably could make an argument for that, but uh, no, not at this time. I, I
2: think I think if you come into the studio and do this, that's it's like it, it's kind of on your own. It's yeah, like, you hey, understand yeah.
1: the assignment.
2: Yeah, yeah, we're we're not forcing anybody to do this. No,
1: yeah, no. In fact, we've we've got one uh, one departure from the plans as of a few minutes ago. I was going around the office. We've added two people doing it. One person to subtract subtracted. So yeah, no, we're uh, we're everyone's aware.
5: But so people are going for the transfer portal already,
1: huh?
5: <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Well, I look forward to it. Well, first, Ron, let me let you know. Uh, I you have my condolences. I I was not watching the entire game because I was on road. And when I came, I said, "Come on, come on, guys!" You know, and I saw the two point conversion didn't go. I said, Yo, "You know, he's still got a chance." And they had a chance. They give him a chance, and he throws a dart interception.
1: Yeah yeah uh again i was not um I, when that happened i was not overly heartbroken i know that sounds weird uh, I, I i knew that they had to go 90 yards in a buck 50 with no timeouts i mean again that, that's not a easy proposition in the nfl uh, because of the the clock not stopping for first downs and that sort of thing so i knew they were up against it uh I thought that more than anything, I was pleased with the way they battled and that it was, it was a game that they clearly belonged in. I think a lot of people would have said, whoever wins the NFC South, they're going to be one and done. They're going to lose the first playoff game. They're going to be gone. And, and the Bucks won their first playoff game, and they made a heck of a game of the second one. So, yeah, it always sucks to have the season in. I will say the, the thing I hated the most about yesterday was Todd Bowles not calling his last time out. At the in the last sequence there, because I don't think people realized that the Bucks could have made them kick a 50-yard field goal with 30 seconds left, and if he had missed it, the Bucks would have gotten it around the 40-yard line, uh, and still still had 30 seconds left. So uh, I'm gonna put that into my best and worst of the weekend. But yeah, no, I uh, I I was proud of the way they played, and uh, I thought they had a really good year.
5: And then after I was on the radio on oh, no, ESPN, they were saying that. Uh, there may have been some questions about whether, you know, Mayfield may or may have a retained, but they came to the conclusion that he should be kept. I mean, I don't see why they would let him go, right?
1: Oh yeah, no. He if he if he's not a buck next year, that means someone swooped in and offered him way more money because Tampa's absolutely gonna want to make him the starter, not only next year, but I think they'll offer him a multi year deal. So uh, it's just about the dollar figures at that point, and did he impress anyone else around the league for them to throw, you know, 20, million, $30 million a year at him for multiple years? That would be the only question. But Tampa's absolutely going to want him back.
5: And the other two NFL games were just – I mean, they were so competitive. Uh, and and they, they were gut-wrenching. I was pulling for KC because my son and daughter-in-law are KC fans. And I, I thought it was going to come down to whoever had last possession – um, but then there were two times, two opportunities that Casey could have put the game away. You probably, if you watch the game, you know yeah. one was, uh, you know, this is what I love about the Auburn team. I'll talk about it a little bit. Is somebody decided they had to play hero ball apparently for KC. and extends their damn arm, I guess, trying to uh, make uh, the, the end zone and gets knocked out of his hands. All you gotta do is just hold the ball, and you get enough the down uh, to make it into the end zone. Uh, but that goes out of the end zone right mm-hmm. and then there was another one there was a fumble um uh, uh it was the uh, it was the Bills quarterback wasn't it was yep. it was Josh he fumbled yep. it yeah yeah and they couldn't they couldn't grab it
1: yeah uh if you had just singled out those two bounces or those two plays uh and just said i'm going to show you these two plays in the fourth quarter who wins the game you would have absolutely said Buffalo's is going to win the game when you get two breaks like that i mean no. kansas city except, definitely except yep
5: the infamous wide right Right,
1: yeah but i'm just saying that those two plays you mentioned i mean those were those were huge plays in the game because that that fumble that josh allen had that buffalo recovered they then made the fourth and three uh right after that so they extended that drive that drive didn't end uh right after that fumble so uh those two were huge plays now obviously uh Uh, is, in my opinion, very much the Dallas of the AFC right now. And you just can't trust them in the postseason. They'll find a way. And and obviously Kansas City's been a juggernaut in the postseason. So, uh, again, that again another another stunning way to lose if you're the Bills. But if, if you thought about it all along, I guess this is just how it goes for Buffalo.
5: Well, and I saw every one of theirs, wide, wide losses in the playoffs. <laughs> and so this is for you, Matt. What NFL team played four times in the Super Bowl and lost all four times? After you, Matt. Yep. Okay. Um, Well, let's get to our basketball team, guys. They're fun to watch. I enjoy them. I'm enjoying every minute of it, not only because they're winning, however, it's the way that they're winning. They're so unselfish. Like you mentioned earlier, Tom, you know, I read... And I saw Chad McCarr- uh, uh Chad Baker's comments. You know, no, no, let Leor stay in there. He's he's doing good. He's having he's having a good job. You know, I don't know too many teams that uh, have players that will will do that with each other. You know, and so yeah, we are probably not going to have maybe. Uh, I'm thinking we should have maybe two players who might be at least on the second team All SEC, and that for me would be Jalen Williams and Janiah Broom. What do you think, guys?
1: Oh, yeah, no, I, I think that they are absolutely going to be deserving of that uh, come the end of the season. And I, I my simple thought uh, earlier in the show was that Jani was probably somebody that with more minutes would be on first team uh, because of the impact that he has. I mean, he's at 15-8, and eight, averaging in 22, 23 minutes a game. A lot of these guys play 30, 32 minutes if they're the best or second-best player on their team. So he and Jalen Williams may not finish with the best the most absurd stats that you've ever seen, but their impact on the game is every bit as high as all these guys that are top five and ten players in the league. So they've both been great, and uh, and, and hopefully that continues.
5: So uh, I love this team, how they're playing so unselfishly. And, Tom, you, know, you were talking about um, what might be the weaknesses. The only weakness, and uh, it's correctable, is the atrocious. This time I thought we were getting better – but was it sixteen or seventeen turnovers in this game?
2: Yeah, that, I mean, there have been some times uh, where they uh, do that. Yeah, sixteen turnovers. They they forced seventeen, but they uh, uh, yeah turned it over sixteen times. Uh, that is Didn't something. Most of them come to be in through.
5: the last five six minutes of the game though?
2: Uh, let's see. I'm looking yeah, I at Janai had four turnovers. No,
1: I, Yeah, I think four or five oh, well, of them definitely came in that last five right. or six-minute stretch. And that is something to watch out for because they have turned it over more in SEC play than they did in the non-conference. Some of that's better competition. But, yeah, they one of their absolute best things they did, they do many good things, but one of the very best things they did The first 15 games of the season was not turn the ball over. In the last two or three games, they have been a little bit uh, more carefree with it. But I'm not overly concerned about it yet. We'll see how it plays into an actual close game and how well they take care of it for 40 minutes in another close one.
5: Well, I gave a pass on this weekend because uh, I think the last five, six minutes of the game, he started throwing in, you know, the uh, walk-ons, third-string players, you know, and they're playing kind kind of sloppy. But I enjoyed even at the very end, guys. The walk-ons were battling and defending and blocking shots from Ole Miss, and I'm sure you saw, I suspect you saw, uh, the guys, you know, on the sidelines, you know, hooping and hollering, jumping up and down because they were happy to see walk-ons, you know, get a chance to play, and and they weren't playing badly. I mean, they were blocking the shots as if the game was still, you know, in doubt.
1: Yeah, no, that last sequence where it looked like they were going to get. An easy layup with six or seven seconds left in the game. Chaney Johnson just absolutely obliterated it. And then a Darren Scott came in there, who is one of the walk-ons, and got two blocks in the last couple seconds. And it was seemed like a fitting way to end the game because uh, Auburn was relentless defensively. Uh, I know that they did not have a bunch of blocks until that moment, but obviously holding a team under 60 points in league play uh, is tremendous defense, and they played really good defense against Vandy. That would have been, as we talked about, if not for second half free throw shooting, that would have been the the total for Vandy. They would have been under sixty points too. So yeah. Auburn's defense has been really, really good. And and look, compared to what Bruce Pearl thought it was, I mean, it is certainly uh, already surpassed some expectations. And hopefully, it continues to get better and better.
5: All right, uh, if you can just bear with me real quickly, uh, looking at the, uh, the the analytics here. And uh, the rankings from the ones to me that are relevant and really do matter. I could care less about AP rankings. So I'm looking at uh, NCAA's uh, net rankings and Ken Palm's net rankings. And they're almost, well, in fact, they're identical for the first uh, four rankings. They both agree they have Houston number one, Purdue two, Arizona three, NC four. Now, where they differ is the NCAA's net rankings have Auburn number six. Ken Palm has Auburn number five. Do you know who? Uh, Although uh, this is amazing to me, anyway, but they have BYU as being number five, and Ken Palm has BYU number ten. That's a pretty big difference, isn't it?"
1: Yeah, uh, and then also, I mean, you're you're going to look at it too. And BYU, I think, is only like twenty-one in the AP poll. Uh, look, the, the analytics are always going to view things a little differently than than humans will, right? I mean, that's. That's part of it. there's different things that uh, you're trying to check the box of but hope I mean the, the idea behind just peer numbers is you take out uh, some bias and you treat uh, you try to be more specific about how you, how your criteria is uh, and that sort of thing and and yeah, you're going to have some things that uh, are, are disagreeing with the numbers and with the human element because, Look, you can't do all of one thing. Numbers are great, but also we are humans, and we don't always perform the way numbers say we should. So, uh, you know, I I might have a show where I don't misstep speaking one single time. I might then have a show where I misstep in speaking 12 times, and it averages out to six, but then there might be some where I do it twice or eight times, five times, whatever. So... It it is just a human side of things where you can't perform the exact same way every single time. That's the battle for consistency. But that's also why numbers and humans will evaluate things maybe a little bit differently from time to time.
5: Fair enough, and everything you said had merit. Now, uh, the real, to me, difficult, difficult season now starts uh, for for Auburn. And all the projections uh, that I've seen from computers, from websites, or bearing in between three to four losses in the SEC? Guys, who do you think are most likely to be those three or four losses?
1: Yeah, I think Tom and I have discussed that a little bit preliminarily in the earlier part of the show. I think that that at-Tennessee game is going to be incredibly difficult. Uh, I think that uh, this at-Alabama game is going to be difficult. I think that will be a candidate. I think that... Even though the, the one home game I would say would be, would be interesting, would be possible, would be Kentucky, just because Kentucky can score lights out. They're a really good team. So that would be the home game I would circle as the toughest home game. And then beyond those three, I mean, you'd have opportunities – any any road game of any kind of caliber, like Georgia or Mississippi State, someone like that, will at least test you. They're not better teams. They're not as good of teams. But you know how it works with life on the road and, and college basketball. So I definitely think Tennessee on the road. I think Kentucky, even though it's at home, and then I think Alabama on the road, are probably the three leaders in the clubhouse in terms of difficulty.
2: Plus, you add in again a couple more of those road games. Yeah, at, at Ole Miss, uh, like I said, even though Auburn did what they did to Ole Miss here, uh, I think at Ole Miss is still going to be tough. At Georgia is going to be very, very tough. That that's a team that people are you not really looking. So, they, what's that? You really think so? Because uh, look li- li- you know
5: what happened Saturday, right? Uh, Florida, who who I'm a little bit uneasy, but after I saw the score, said, "Good God, I thought it was overtime, but no, one oh six to 95.
1: Florida has no damn defense. Florida Florida played Missouri this yeah. weekend and beat them. I think Missouri? you're talking
2: about Georgia. Talking jo- about, Georgia about... Georgia went to Rupp Arena and yeah, put, lost and 105-96 they, to Kentucky. Yeah, yeah. Georgia yeah, scored Yeah, Georgia scored 96 points in Rupp Arena. I
5: guess, yes, I said good gosh. Uh Kentucky can't be that difficult to beat then at home.
1: Oh no, I wouldn't. No, Kentucky's I you, damn good, and, yeah. and they're yeah. They're, I'm just saying, they're they're Georgia,
2: Georgia's Georgia's good. They're they're a very good team that a lot of people are not talking about. They took Tennessee down to the wire. Uh, they just, like I said, they just scored 96 in Rupp Arena. Uh, Georgia's good. They're they're going to be a a sneaky sneaky dangerous team to play.
5: Okay, well let's just stay with this coming Wednesday. If I'm to give away a loss. I don't want this to be the loss, but all the computers are giving us no better than 44% chance of winning. I thought at least 50-50, guys. Uh, tell me, hey, hey, Steve, you know it's not likely to be uh, 50-50. Uh, tell me where, because where, I, I see our team just, you know, I think I think we can take them uh, there uh, Wednesday night, guys. I haven't been that impressed. I know we haven't had any big quad one games that like Calabasas has. But convince me that, yeah, uh, this is probably going to be a loss.
1: Well, look, I, I would say that, yes, I would give Auburn a little better chance than 44, but around the 50-50 mark. But also 44 versus a 48 or 49% chance, that, that's pretty small difference in, in my view. I know that you're trying to hit the halfway mark there, and, and that feels like it's a big deal. But in reality, it's four or five percentage points. So I, I don't think that that's a huge difference in the way I view it. And uh, look, I think the betting line will be very, very close. I think it'll be; it could go either way. Could be favored by one or two either way. Uh, and when I look at Alabama, I think I think of a team that's still waiting to get their first big time W. Again, they have they have lost all these big uh, non conference games. Again, they they certainly competed well in most of them. I, you know, I guess Oregon's a pretty decent win for them. That was close loss to Clemson, uh, close loss Purdue, close loss to Creighton. They got beat a little bit worse by Arizona uh, after hanging in there for a little while. Uh, but it does to me in the same way that Auburn thrashing lesser opponents tells me something about Auburn. Alabama only losing close to really good opponent opponents does tell me something about Alabama. So I think that they are probably not on Auburn's tier. I do think Auburn is a better team, but. Again, you're talking about the road versus home. And at home, I think Auburn's going to have probably about an 80% chance of winning, something in there. But on the road, that's when you get into it. doesn't matter necessarily who the better team is. If it's just kind of close and the home team has a good night, then it gets really tough. So absolutely, Auburn is still the better team in my, my eye. And I, I think it's by at least a few points – uh, on a neutral floor and by several at Auburn. But, I mean, at, on the road, this is how college basketball works from time to time. So I think it will be a dog fight.
5: Okay, well, I hope it is a dogfight in our favor. And, you know, uh, you, you remind me of the evidence uh, anything that anything happened, Tom, and, and I saw it happen on Saturday. Uh, who was the team? They stormed it. Uh, 6-11 team beats Kansas, right? Yeah. 6 and 11
1: yeah, West Virginia, I believe that was. Yeah. That's
5: right, yeah. I said, what are they doing even in being in the ball game? But they did it. Yeah, I and, said,
1: wow. And look, I mean, that... Yeah, and you know what? As silly as it sounds, like I didn't lose any faith in how good Kansas is. I, you know, I know, you can lose that type of game. But, like, when we come to the NCAA tournament time, I promise you I will say the sentence, Kansas is good enough to make the Final Four, even despite a loss like that.
5: Well, give me your 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 thoughts right now. Uh, considering how the team is playing, uh, what is the likelihood that this team has the makings to make it to the final four? So it, percentage of uh, uh probability. Yeah, uh
1: percentages are tough. Yeah I, I just uh I mean Auburn is one of the teams that I believe has the opportunity. <clears throat> Let me start with that. And sure. there's probably realistically ten to fifteen teams that can say that. Um what that puts the – I mean, again, and some of those would be a stretch. Like, I still respect Duke. I'm not sure that Duke is better than Auburn, which is a wonderful sentence to say out loud, by the way. Uh, but, <laughs> I, you know, I think Duke could still make it. I wouldn't rule them out. But they're a team that I do think Auburn's a little better than. Uh, percentage-wise, again, this is going to sound like a small percentage. This is just the NCAA tournament, and it's this is how hard it is to make the Final Four. I'd probably say around a 10 15% chance. Yeah. That that's just kind of the nature of college basketball. To be fair, if you ask me about UConn, who I think UConn's the best team in the country, I'd give them like a twenty-five or thirty percent chance. Again, like I just I don't
2: give teams
1: these awesome chances because it happens all the time. Yeah. Well,
2: yeah, it's it's just so so difficult to to make the Final Four. Uh, It's difficult to make just the Elite Eight, and I mean it it's darn hard to even really make the Sweet Sixteen. The thing I was going to say is you the thing to take in consideration. Now I want to see how Auburn is going to play in some of these tough games on the road because that's where the great neutralizer comes into place when you get into tournament time is that you're no longer at home. Now, granted, the team you're playing isn't either, so you. but you have to take that in consideration that you're not going to have the Neville Arena jungle behind you to, to feed off of. And you're going to have to be able to show that you can win games on the road against very, very tough teams, and then that's going to make you feel at least a little bit better about winning on a neutral floor uh, against some of these tough teams. So, uh, I, I, yeah, I agree with with Ryan on the percentage there. I mean, I think it's got to be low, but it's going to be low for anybody that you're talking about right now because it's just so difficult to yeah. get to that highest level. Think of
1: it one other way, Steve. I know we're, we're going on and on in here, but think of it this way. Even if you're UConn, even if you're in the number one team in the country, if it's chalk, like if there's no upsets, you will have to play a four seed in the Sweet 16. And a four seed will be a top 16 team in the country, which means you will basically have to play two top 15 or 16 teams just and beat them both to make the Final Four. That's that's even for the very best seed in the entire tournament. That's still the level of competition they have to beat to make the Final Four.
5: And Auburn did it five years ago. Yes, they did. And this is the fifth anniversary, so maybe I'm trying to make some (laughs) suspicious uh, uh, comparisons here. All right. Uh, Can I real quickly go to the NFL, guys?
1: Yeah, real quick.
5: Okay, real quickly. Uh, Kansas played a hard out Buffalo Bills. We talked about that. And I felt badly for Andrews Carlson. Yeah. Yeah. I did that field goal, Um, but but, but it happened. But here's something I want to bring to your attention. I just saw it from Bleacher Report. It says, NFL rumors, momentum exists. For the league to change the rule for fumbles out of the end zone. Have you read that article?
2: I, I have seen that. There, um, That's a rule that the NFL is talking about that they're they're going to evaluate and see if they want to change that.
5: Because, you know, they pointed out, look, when a ball is fumbled, it goes out of bounds, the offense gets it back. or, the, or whatever, And it doesn't apply, but in the end zone. Uh, do you know the reasons behind Origins why that was made different when it goes in the end zone?
1: I don't know the order. I don't. I don't. Know.
5: I'm just curious what made the distinction for them than just treat it eight it went out of bounds.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, it, I don't know if it has something to do when you think about kickoffs and how kickoffs, if you kick them out of bounds prior to the end zone, it is a penalty on the kicking team. You're not allowed to do that. However, if you can successfully kick it through, past the pylon through the end zone and then out the side, it's a touchback. I don't know if it pertains to the same line of thinking there. Uh, but it is something that, again, I have a couple friends that are very passionate about that rule. They like to see it change, uh, and I'm still, I still contemplate it every time it comes up. I still, <laughs> I'm a case by case basis. I'm still trying to think about it.
5: And can't say enough about this bar uh, getting her jersey retired, and they're beating Alabama after coming from behind, and both, both of our men's and women's diving uh, swimming teams beat Alabama uh, over the weekend. You know that, guys, right?
1: Yeah, very successful week for Auburn athletics.
5: So. Uh, there you go. All right, guys. Hey, thank you so much for giving me the time to, uh, to ramble and uh, hear your comments and thoughts. And uh, I know the game is, uh, the show's uh, shortened tomorrow, so I'll do my best to get on there before you uh, get off the air. And I am waiting and waiting uh, with anticipatory anxiety and excitement for Wacky Wednesday. So until then, have a safe afternoon and evening, and uh, Royal, guys.
1: Royal, Steve. Appreciate that phone call. That is Retire Ward Am Steve joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Hope everybody is anxious for what yeah. we're going to do Wednesday. I'm anxious to participate. <laughs> <That should be laughs> I'm anxious to host this thing. Uh, and also, I think we're looking at six or seven people in the studio for it. So it's going to be... Including
2: a special guest. Yes,
1: a very special guest. So uh, it's going to be a good time. I'm very excited about it. It's a it's a proper way to start a year of Wacky Wednesday. Let me absolutely put it that way. We're going to go ahead and go to our next timeout of the show. When we come back... Let's talk a little Auburn defensive coordinator search. Hadn't gotten that to that yet today. There is a little bit of an update on that front. We'll tell you about that and more next.
0: Can we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi! My name is what? My, my name is what? My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak and you are listening to the Abbey Award winning Sports Call Auburn.
1: Back to Sports Call Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Or if you're listening after the fact on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca Cola, Ryan Lavoie and Tom Peavy with you here. Again, if you miss anything at all, you can go back and check it out on that Sports Call podcast, available wherever. You get your podcast. And that podcast can be coming pretty handy if you can't listen to the live show on Wednesday again. We're gonna have a special guests, we're gonna have a wacky Wednesday. It's gonna be a good time. We're we're looking forward to it. And also take you inside baseball. I think this is now four consecutive times we have come back from break talking amongst ourselves right. before the break about wacky Wednesday dynamics.
2: So Well, I mean it's it's one of those things that we it, You know, we're trying not to give away everything. It's not, this is not one of those that we can just show up and do. Right. This is, this is a special event. (laughs) It takes some planning, takes some logistics. Yes. uh, Involving multiple people in some logistical things. And so it's going to, it's going to be great. But this is definitely, this is definitely not one where I can just come in here and read a script and tell you some scary stories or, you know, truth stranger than fiction. This is not that. This is, it's just taking some work. Very much so. It's going to make it worth it, though. It will. It will indeed. Hopefully. <laughs> well, It'll be, it's going to be great entertainment. It will be yeah, great okay. entertainment. Yeah. That 100%, it's going to be great entertainment. Are we entertainment. all regretting life decisions
1: by 6 o'clock? Sure. That's very possible. That is in play. But Are we regretting life
2: decisions by about 10 or 11 o'clock?
1: <laughs> that's another sign of the equation. <laughs>
2: that's why like I said we might not just be hurting our mouths. Yes. <laughs>
1: Uh, so anyway that's coming up on Wednesday our first wacky Wednesday 2024 all right Auburn still needs a defensive coordinator for 2024 uh, right now Charles Kelly is one of the defense coordinators at Code DC of course a master recruiter has been a defensive coordinator a couple different times in the sport already but again he is not the sole defense coordinator he is going to be a co-defense coordinator so Auburn's search continues we talked to Brian Matthews last week and the thought was still prevailing at that time that Chris Kiffin would be the main target for Auburn. However, there was some reporting yesterday from Matt Zenitz that Auburn could be looking in a different direction now, and they could be looking at former Texas A&M and for that Ole Miss, Vince coordinator, former Maryland head coach, DJ Durkin. Yep. Uh, that is appearing to be the front runner. My two cents is Auburn likely waited... This is just me. It's pure speculation. I don't have a source here. No source insider. I think that Auburn was probably waiting on Chris Kiffin. Mm-hmm. That's what I, I, I think thought. that that is probably, again, <clears throat> from what the beat guys were feeling, from what we were feeling, Auburn waited on Chris Kiffin. And the Texans, of course, lost on Saturday. We will talk some playoff football a little bit later in the show. And my feeling is that Kiffin probably said no. Right. let stay in the NFL. And so that is leading us now looking at Auburn, looking at DJ Durkin. Uh, is Zach Arnett still involved? Possible. but if Not someone, hearing as much about Right, Arnett. but have not heard his name really in a week or two. And if Zenitz is giving you new reporting yesterday, my logic suggests that Auburn's probably targeting Durkin. Now, could Durkin turn it down too? I suppose. Could Auburn last second change of heart? I suppose. But it seems like this process is moving on from Chris Kiffin and moving towards
2: DJ Durkin. Yeah. Um, successful coach, uh, successful, uh, coordinator, uh, not a lot of success at brief, uh, brief stint as head coach at Maryland. Yeah. At Maryland. Uh, and then also that stint at Maryland comes with a lot of baggage that, um, you hope that things are different there. Uh, I mean there's a lot of coaches that come in with with a lot of baggage that have kind of fixed things but uh he was you know placed on administrative leave uh at Maryland uh I'm just reading off of Twitter here uh placed under investigation amid toxic culture allegations against the team after the death of player Jordan McNair um you know there's different things there but I mean he is a he's a renowned defensive coordinator if you can get past you know something like that that you know that was 2016 to 2018 that he was the head coach went to the falcons as a consultant in 2019 um but i mean he is a he's he's a good defensive mind and uh you know as far as that goes i i i don't have a problem with it you know just you i I don't like it anytime there's a guy that has the toxic quote-unquote toxic culture yeah kind of around their name and their – I just – I don't – that doesn't give me the warm and fuzzies, but hopefully that's something that is, you know, maybe was not true. Maybe that's just something that a few folks were saying, that it's not that bad. I haven't heard any sort of toxic culture at Ole Miss or Texas A&M under his guidance as a defensive coordinator. Uh, It it was only that stint at head coach at Maryland. So, uh, But I also agree, I think Chris Giffen was – the guy that they were really holding out for and waiting to see, uh, he was the defensive line coach for the Texans. He w- he worked on uh, Hugh Freeze's staff at Ole Miss. I think, yeah, I think that was probably the guy they were waiting for. And it, it probably it, it's hard to get guys to come from the pros yeah. back to the colleges because when you're when you're in the pros, uh, and I and I read something dealing with Kiffin, and it was the interview that he had done. And uh, he's got a family and he kind of enjoys and he enjoys and a lot of these NFL coaches enjoy the time where uh, they once they get done with their season, they can actually spend time with their family and can actually be a normal human being and everything. And in the college game, it is it's 24 seven. You see everyone's family, but you're exactly because <laughs> uh, recruiting never stops. And, and I mean, it is all year, every day away from your family, recruiting nonstop along with then the coaching duties and everything like that. And there's a lot of people that just don't like that. They don't like the aspect of that. And I kind of got the feeling just from that article that I read that – and this is before Kiffin even – anything would even said about him, possibly maybe anything about even Auburn involved. This was just something, a story that he was quoted talking about how much he enjoys spending the time with his family in the offseason, things like that. So – in that case, it is a lot of times hard to get a lot of guys to come into college from the NFL, especially if they've done both and they see, like, why am I going to leave what I'm doing in the NFL and go back to the, yeah, just the pure grind uh, every day, all day, every day of the year grind of being a college coach, you know. So, but yeah, DJ Durkin, uh, nothing has been finalized with that, but yeah, he seems to be the name that is out there. And, uh, I you know, I'm okay with it. I, I you know he has a uh he's got a really good repu- reputation as a recruiter. Uh, he's got a good reputation as a defensive coordinator, and so uh that's who it is. Well, let's go.
1: Yeah, and look, I think that uh ultimately you've gotta worry about uh the more recent stuff where as you said he's had three other jobs since what what did or did not happen at Maryland and he's passed those jobs with flying colors and it's kind of the deal where you don't say that what he did or did not do at Maryland looked good because it didn't but it also gets into at what point do you forgive and do you kind of move on and say this is something you can move past and I think with Durkin again if it were true and look it's very possible look the kid that died, that's awful. Mm-hmm. And that is, that is a that is liable, by the way, to happen to anybody that's being hard on their players or not. With summer workouts and the heat, that has happened in the high school ranks. That is, unfortunately, it is not a thing that we want to ever have happen. It is a thing that does happen from time to time, unfortunately. Uh, very rarely, but it can. Uh, that inherently does not mean, though, that you then have a huge problem. It was some things that built on top of that, some players speaking out and uh you know some other things that went down there but i will say that again when you try to have a chance to add on or you have a chance to uh then come out with more of that type of stuff you then potentially blur the reality of okay are you just are you just upset that you're being coached hard and you think you're being coached too hard. <clears throat> and that gets into the ever-changing culture of what it means to be a hard coach or right. how you coach players uh, and, and that sort of thing. And that gets into a whole number of, of words I'm not quite ready to go into today. But, again, that, that is a real conversation for a day to be determined where it's like, okay, how how hard is the right, right. kind of hard to coach players now? And it's possible that he toes that line. But well, it's also possible that it doesn't mean he should be
2: you know, shot down for it. Right. Another very successful head coach that was uh, that had the toxic culture put around him as a head coach <clears throat> when he was in the NFL, Nick Saban. You go back and you you listen to any what some of those players said about Nick Saban's tenure as a head coach at, at the Miami Dolphins, and a lot of them talk about it being a toxic culture of um, the way Nick Saban talked to folks. I mean, there's you know. It's Nick Saban, you you're, and it's also your head coach. I'm, I'm, I'm not dogging Saban here, but I mean, there's talk. There was stories about him making guys cry, and then there's the stories of uh, I think it was Geno James that had like passed out in the locker room, and Nick Saban instead of like trying to help him, just literally stepped over Geno James lying on the floor unconscious, and that Nick Saban just stepped over him and told somebody to pick him up or something like. That. There these were the kinds of things that were said about Saban right. at Miami. It and you know, did all that happen? I don't know. Was it that bad, or was it just one or two players that didn't like him? So you you do have to take that kind of with a grain of salt. If he's gonna be coming here as the defensive coordinator, look at him as the defensive coordinator position and and how he has been with the with that. And also, how is he with recruiting, since that is obviously the huge part
1: of it. And I've got some numbers here for you. He
2: checks all the boxes on that.
1: Yep. So, he was at A&M last two years. Right. A&M ranked number one nationally against the pass and was 17th in pass defensive efficiency, 22nd in scoring defense in his debut season. Last year, they were 36th in scoring defense, 13th against the run. So, oddly enough, two separate years. One was dominant against the pass, number one nationally. And then year two, they went up to top 15 in the run. They were top 36 in our top 40 in, uh, scoring defense both years. And, obviously, you watch A&M the last couple of years, and everyone understands why. They were not winning more games, and it had to do with quarterback play and offense and and uh, a man making a lot of money. <laughs> that was not getting a lot of results. Uh, but their defenses were not issues last few years. He did a, uh, a solid job with A&M. Of course, they had <laughs> – A lot of great talent, and that's part of it. So, we'll see if Durkin ends up being the move. We'll have more on him if he ends up being the guy. I want to also go back to something you said, though, about Chris Kiffin. uh, Because I know he's not a defense coordinator. He's a position coach in the NFL. But I could not agree with you more on I would rather be in the NFL than in college. Like, just just sorry. I remember – I've always wanted to have a profession in sports growing up. Uh, first, I, I, of course, wanted to be an athlete. You're playing the baseball, basketball, uh, golfing, just anything. You just, I want to be a professional athlete. And then I got to high school. I realized, yeah, you know what? It's probably not happening. Uh, right. I can keep playing this <laughs> level, but I'm not going to make the next level. So then the dreams changed a little bit. They dream they changed to uh, being a coach. And... Now my dreams changed a little bit more, obviously, because I know that you have to be so involved in one of those most times than not. And, again, play on some level, and I didn't, so whatever. So the dreams then are now still currently. I'd love to end up being a GM one day. Beside that point, I would not, under any circumstance, go back to high school me or anything like that and say, you know what, really want to be a college coach. You should see what's going to happen in this sport in 10 years. And I think that there's many that feel that some of the game's great coaches, and I'm not necessarily saying Nick Saban, but I think in basketball, I, I, I tell you this as someone that loves North Carolina, I think it absolutely happened with Roy Williams. Right. Some of these guys just don't want to deal with this crap. Yeah. And I don't blame them because you don't it's not even the traditional I've got to recruit the 16 and 17 year olds and and pamper them and promise them and and beg them. It's now gotten into, I got to beg my own people not to leave at all times to not go take an extra 100K there, 50K mm-hmm. there. And I'm so, like, you can feel however you want about how good or healthy of a system or bad or unhealthy of a system it is. But if I'm a coach, I don't want to deal with that if I can be in the NFL. Yeah, I've got to deal with some big personalities, but these are also men at the end of the day. And there's a structure to how you do everything. And as you said, like if you're okay, I'll use my dude Todd Bowles. Okay, his season ended in Detroit yesterday. He'll think some football thoughts in the coming days and weeks. But you know what? He ain't gotta go beg. You know, Chris Godwin. Hey, please, don't go to the Eagles. Please don't do that. That's even if it was a free agent. Godwin's not. That's why I didn't. That's why I used him. But even if it's a free agent, that's the GM's responsibility. It's not the head coaches or coordinators or anyone like that's responsibility. So if you're Chris Kiffin, like your season ended Saturday, and you're good. You communicate a little bit back and forth. Hey, here's some ideas how we can be better in 2024. And that's it until like June or July, off-season OTAs and all that. Maybe you get a little invested in the draft process, but – a position coach, probably not as much, but coordinator, head coach, okay, sure, you reconvene in Indianapolis for the Combine and all that. But you turn it off for months at a time until J- July or August when it gets constant again for the next right. four or five months. So with college football, I don't know when you turn it off. Because, again, let's let's not pretend here do you really believe the dead period is dead? <laughs> it's no, not. No. I'm just telling you right now. You might not be able to flaunt out loud on social media that you're in Timbuktu with so-and-so trying to bring him into your program, but I promise you, you're still calling and texting, and are you good, mm-hmm. and here's still what we got. And, is the
2: portal window really closed? <laughs> yeah. it's like, are you there know, still people I, jumping through it?
1: <laughs> So, look, I, I don't blame I don't blame Chris Giffin one bit. He yeah. want to stay in the league in the NFL. I would too, uh, even if it seems like you're 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 going from non coordinator to coordinator or coordinator to head coach. I'd still, i I'm, again, I would I would prefer the NFL too because of the structure and because of things you just know you don't have to deal with. But uh, again, that's our two cents on how this progressed. Again, I, I just don't see any other reason Auburn would have waited this long. Uh, I, I do think they were waiting to see an answer from Chris Kiffin. Obviously, Chris Kiffin's not going to give that answer until the Texan season ended. It did on Saturday. And Auburn, at that point, very likely reached out to him. And then he said, no, I think I want to stay with the Texans. And so, again, I think that's why we're at the, the DJ Durkin part of the conversation.
2: Yep. Hey, hey Kiffin, uh, your season's over. You're about to have about three months of vacation with your family <laughs> How about you don't do that and come to Auburn? And I need you on the road tomorrow recruiting this five-star kid. <laughs> yes. Yeah,
1: I'm so fine. Like, no, nah, I- I'm I'm good. G- I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So again, it's hard. To, it's hard to blame that line of thinking for sure. Again, uh, we'll see if it's Durkin. Again, where it is not officially Durkin. I do want to say that again. That uh, that is based off some reporting from yesterday. That that is maybe the focus of Auburn search, but we'll see. Obviously Dirkman I'd say yes. Maybe he wants a year off. You're part of a, a staff that just got got canned yeah. at AM. Maybe you need a breather. Matt Luke needed a breather the other year. Then he, he's hopped right back into it this year. And that's also again, I'm becoming more and more understanding of that too. You don't ever get a breather if this is the profession you choose. So if no. you're a part of a fire staff or something like that, your contract runs out, take a year be with the family hug the kids watch a high school game or two i mean again i, I certainly understand that so again we'll see but it appears dj durkin is probably the focus of auburn's co defensive coordinator search at this time we are out of time for hour number two coming up in the third and final hour we'll get into a little bit of recap from the nfl postseason this past weekend we are down to four teams in the national football league also Coming up, our best and worst of the weekend. You are listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Third and final hour of sports calls starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the FM, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan Lavoie and Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday. A little bit later here in hour number three. We'll have best and worst of the weekend. I This is the first time I've been on the Monday show in a couple weeks. I was in Tampa for a week. I was sick the other week. So I've got to remember how to do this, but I did already plan. So I believe I already have my best and worst nailed down. So that's good news. I uh, want to remind you, too, we've been talking about Wacky Wednesday making its return on Wednesday. do want to remind you that tomorrow will be a shortened show. We'll be getting off air around 5 o'clock. Uh, Borgard High School basketball coming up around five twenty, five thirty, on our airwaves. So, again, we have a shortened show on Tuesday. So we'll have a little bit of a different week. I believe we will also have a shortened show on Thursday. Again, I want to work to confirm that first. But uh, a little bit of a different show schedule on uh, Tuesday, there and then potentially on Thursday. And then again, we got our wacky Wednesday and Wednesday. So, something a little bit out of the ordinary just about every day of the week here uh, as we keep rolling through the month of January. All right. Again, best and worst come up in a little while. Do want to talk about the NFL playoffs from the last couple of days, though. We can kind of uh, skirt over a little bit of Houston and Baltimore. Uh, that was the one non competitive game of the weekend. I do want to say this. Uh, Lamar Jackson was really good. Yeah. And uh, him running the football was incredible. Didn't have to do a lot in the passing game. Maybe the most relevant thing about that game, though, to me was Baltimore's defense because Houston did absolutely nothing. Yeah. They did not score an offensive touchdown. Their touchdown was a punt return. That's and right. uh, Baltimore's defense is scary. That is, I'm not, I'm not going to get too far ahead of myself, but Baltimore, Kansas City this coming weekend. I'm going to be fascinated to see what Mahomes does against Baltimore's defense. So we'll we'll get to Kansas City in just a second. But uh, Baltimore does slap around Houston. They eventually wore them down offensively too once, uh, again, Houston just could not move the ball. Still does not dilute the year the Texans had, though. I oh, mean, great, to have great year. Rookie coach, rookie quarterback, yep. great rookie defensive player Will Anderson. And to win a play, go to the playoffs, win a playoff game after three straight years of what four wins or less, mm-hmm. just a great story. So again, it, it's not about how it ended for them. Their future seems to be very bright. And Baltimore, it's it's about time for them. I mean, this is uh, they've had some Lamar injuries in the past. The first couple times he's in the playoffs, he did not play well. This is about when it should be happening for them. Uh, they've just signed him to the big time extension, and personally. I'm getting a whiff of just all Harbaugh this year, <laughs> yeah, the, the year of Harbaugh. Yep, uh, we had the Harbaugh Bowl for the Super Bowl one year between San Francisco and Baltimore, and I'm just getting a whiff of they might go ahead and win what one wins the college title, one wins one the wins. pro title.
2: Yeah, I, I mean that's that's a very good possibility. Um, that would be insane, and uh, I you know. I was dead set that the that the Niners were the team. And then after what I saw, I, I'm not so sure about that. Uh, Let's move on to that game then. San Francisco sure. and Green Bay was the nightcap. That was the first of three close games. Right. Uh, one that I didn't get a chance to see a whole lot of because I was busy with doing the Mardi Gras thing, but I kept track of it. Uh, I thought Green Bay had that game. Uh, it looked like they had that game. And I was sitting there even telling Michelle uh, – while we we're there, of course, she's not an NFL fan. But I was like, "Good lord!" I was like, "Looks like Green Bay might knock off San Francisco." And I mean, that's just—it was stunning. But then I saw the final, and like, "Oh well, it didn't happen." I, I hate that it ended up. You know, there were a lot of lots of different blame that could go around. But the fact that it was a former Auburn kicker that missed one, and then their coach comes out, and I was like every time he goes on the field, I just pray and like, "Oh boy," you know, they don't like to see that. But no. I, I thought, I thought the Packers had that. San Francisco looked extremely vulnerable in that game, especially against the run. And, you know, if you if you think about the Niners, if they do get to the Super Bowl, and let's just say it is the Ravens that get there, and, I, yeah, I mean, that defense, the, the Niners defense looked very vulnerable. So, uh, I don't know. I'm – kind of feeling like I'm changing my tune there because I really yeah. thought the Niners were going to be the team that would just kind of cakewalk their way on into the Super Bowl. And, wow, the Packers gave them everything and more that they could have asked for. I'll get to San Francisco
1: in just a second because I'm, I am I have a take on them. But you you do hate it for Anders. Yeah. I, I, I'm I'm not trying to be, uh, you know, bad news bears here. I'm going to be surprised if he has a job next year, just to be honest with you. Sure. Um, he was. He missed the most extra points in the league this year. Right. And actually, there was 33 kickers that qualified for point after percentage. There's only 32 teams, and he was last. Yep. Uh, he was 29th in field goal percentage. 29th in his longest kick of the year. Mm-hmm. Misses that kick. It's tough. It, it was. It's a way different situation than Daniel who. They wrote him off after like five kicks. They were just like I don't- at
2: Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and yeah. Then he and was he like, missed well, a, he missed a big one in the playoffs.
1: No, no, that was Cody Parky. No, Dan- Daniel Carlson got cut in like four games with Minnesota. Okay. Yeah. No, that no, that was Parky. Parky had a double doink. No, with the, play- the, with the yeah. Bears. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Uh, but Carlson got like four games with the Vikings. They went ahead and cut him yeah. way too pre way prematurely. And and now he's one, he's one of the best kick-
2: one yeah. of the best kickers. Well, and and so that's the thing. With kickers, there are so many good kickers waiting in the wings yeah. that they're you know they're kind of considered a dime a dozen uh, when it comes to kicking. And if you're not performing at the level that that you need to, then get, then you will not have a job. And so I agree. I, I think Anders Carlson will uh, not have a job. Yeah. Uh, the Packers will move on from him, and I think he will. I think he'll figure it out, and I—I I don't. He didn't suddenly just become a bad kicker. Maybe he's just got a you know bad year, bad case of the yips, or something. And uh, you know, unfortunately, you may end up seeing him kicking. It's not the USFL. That's it's what is it, the UFL? UFL
1: now, United, the football United league,
2: Football yeah. League. Yeah, maybe, maybe he can kind of hone it in the UFL, Whole and luck. yeah, or I somebody mean, or another team <coughs> looks at it and goes, "Listen, I know he's a good kicker. There's a reason that he got drafted and was with the Packers. He's a good kicker." Maybe just had a bad year, and also again, his brother Daniel got right. released, and is now one of the best. You know, if we take a chance on them, but I mean, if that that was more of a, it was more than just a couple of games for for Anders, yeah, with the Packers. That I mean, they've let him go through the season, and he's had his struggles. So, well, and
1: if I was him, I would want to kick in that league because if you recall, Dallas kicker Brandon Aubrey came from, right. well, I guess, was the USFL kicking for right. Birmingham. Yeah. And he was just automatic for two years. He gets mm-hmm. the job and he was awesome in Dallas this yeah. year. I mean, he was kicking stuff from 60 yards. So uh
2: yeah. Well kickers I, are kickers, yeah. and that's the thing. I mean, it's not like you're it's not like an offensive lineman coming from the USFL that now has to adjust to the NFL and how bigger and faster everything is. It's a kicker. Look if you can kick the ball, you can kick the ball. Yes. And there are plenty of kickers out there that are as automatic as you could imagine. And if you're just not getting it done, like I said, they're dime a dozen, you're not going to have a job for very long. I mean, kickers yeah. and punters, they, they will get rid of you in the league in a heartbeat if you're not getting it done.
1: So, look, again, Green Bay, that's a tough way to lose that one. Uh, but, again, I thought that they, down the stretch too, uh, they might be on to something in the future. If Jordan Love – and, again, I'm not, I'm not pronouncing him – The next Aaron Rodgers. Right, but
2: (laughs) just knowing
1: knowing that franchise's success with back-to-back franchise quarterbacks, knowing that if you just put the side-by-side there, that Jordan Love's throwing motion is eerily similar to Aaron Rodgers, and just knowing how they did come on here in his first full year as starter, how much they came on by the end of the season. I'm nervous if I'm in the NFC North. Like, if I'm Chicago and Minnesota – And even Detroit. I mean, Detroit's not really worried about Green Bay right now. They have their own great success story. But I'm just like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, there's no way, right? And so, you got to be nervous if you're in that division. But it was a good recovery for Green Bay this year. And uh, we'll see. Again, LaFleur proved his coaching medal, and uh, we'll see their next steps. But San Francisco here, they're the ones moving on. You're right. I felt... And I'm not... eh, I don't know how deeply I feel about this, but I thought it was pretty obvious coming into the postseason. San Francisco's clearly the best team in the NFC. Right. Baltimore's clearly the best team in the AFC. Now, Kansas City's looking better, right? But com- just coming into the postseason, Kansas City was not looking great. No,
2: and the Bills right. were looking
1: fantastic. Right. So I was saying it's Baltimore and San Francisco to lose. I said on the show at the end of last week, I feel like something weird's still going to happen. This is too obvious. Well, it's not going to be too weird, it doesn't look like, because it's still Kansas City and Baltimore in (coughs) the NFC championship game, and San Francisco still made it. It could be the Detroit part of this, which obviously would be inherently weird. Right. Um, No no matter how good they were this year, that would just be weird if Detroit makes the Super Bowl. But with San Francisco, I think you just do have to be a little concerned. And we've already been having these conversations about Purdy. And look, I think that... I think you should evaluate Purdy like this. Don't buy into either side... Uh, to either extreme. Don't buy into he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Don't buy into the guy is not even is is just as bad as Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he's better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Right. But I also don't think we should be saying he's top five quarterback in the league or top six or whatever. He was the last pick in the NFL draft, the very last pick. The fact that he is the quarterback of a team going to its second straight NFC Championship game with him at the helm. Third straight for the franchise, by the way, four out of five. The only team in the last five years make it or the only game that was did not include them was Tampa and Green Bay in 20. They've been in the other four. He should be given a lot of credit for overcoming that kind of mountain. Yeah. Of uh, Mr. Irrelevant is usually just that. There are not many Mr. Irrelevants that play much football. And so for him to be a starting quarterback, it should be celebrated. So don't take it to an extreme and say what he can or cannot do or, or pump him up or, well, now just appreciate the fact that for now, he's very young in his career and he's done a pretty good job and he is not messing things up for them. The issue for them, though, is, is at some point you're going to actually have a referendum on what he is or is not because Debo Samuel gets hurt a little bit. He is going to be questionable coming into the next game. And there were times where Purdy just did not even grip the football well right. in that game. I, I know it was raining and stuff, but there were a couple <laughs> times where he just had them just go five yards off target, which is a lot alarming for an NFL quarterback. He fought through it. They had the drive they needed to have. Christian McCaffrey had a heck of a game. It made me think back to our conversation we had this summer where we talked about the value of running backs – yeah. And for this team, McCaffrey is like the best example of finding value in a running back because I feel like he kind of bailed them out in this game. Yeah. He only got 17 carries. not like they leaned on him, but he made them count. Made the, yeah. Uh, but you're right. I mean, like you can't come away from that game thinking the same way about San Francisco as you did coming in. Like I don't consider – like, again, I thought they were a good bit better coming into the postseason.
2: Now – I I'm conflicted on that line. what will be the Lions and 49ers. Yeah. Well, and and conflicted because uh yeah, when you now look at that NFC, the Lions are on a this magical run <clears throat> and they continue to make me look smart. Uh uh just because preseason our talk and the preseason, uh, you know, I said, hey, watch out for the Lions. Everything I've been hearing about the Lions and what they got and everything, they're gonna be dangerous. Well, here we go. They're in the NFC championship game. They've got a little magical something going. Now, if you just look at the teams, the 49ers should be better. But look at the way they're playing right now. Um, I, I don't know that I would give the edge to the Lions, even though it's, it's this magical Detroit run. I mean, it's really cool to see. I just don't know if in my heart of hearts I could actually sit there and go, yeah, I think the Lions are going to beat the 49ers. I just I don't know that I see that but it it's been a magical run for them and they're good. I mean, the Lions are good. They've they've got they've been playing great on defense. Obviously, they've been getting it done on offense and the 49ers looked very vulnerable. So, we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's look, interesting.
1: <clears throat> look, I agree. The 49ers the shame of this is I think that they the big point I wanted to make about them is I think that they were the definition and still are of being the the what-if, the quarterback thing, mm-hmm. and the quarterback away. And, look, maybe Purdy still does it. Again, that's why I'm saying let's not judge it yet. Right. Let's give it a little bit more time. It, at bare minimum, another playoff game, but probably another season or two. But I was reading a report today. There's a rumor out there that suggested San Francisco was trying to get Brady to unretire and that they were going to have him be quarterback – and have Purdy sit there for a year. What Tom be quarterback one year, right? And whether you believe that or not, I will just I will give you the hypothetical of it. If Tom Brady was the quarterback of the 49ers this year, they were going to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, like I, I promise you, they would win the Super Bowl um, with the weaponry they have, and knowing that their line is pretty good. It's it's right. it's at least better than what Tampa's was last year when Brady was just having to get get out of Dodge pretty much, and right. it was not able to hang in there, um, They that I would overwhelmingly pound the Super Bowl train, just sure every button I could have. And that's kind of been the story with them, because it's not even the issue of, of if you get Brady or not. Garoppolo was like the 20th best quarterback in the league. Right. Like he was not even above average quarterback. And Purdy, again, we're still trying to figure out where he is, but let's just meet in the middle for everyone and say he's average. Again, that means there's 15 better quarterbacks out there and so it's just like if at any time they get the ninth best quarterback in the league you don't have to get the third or fourth you get the ninth best quarterback in the league how many super bowls do they win because i mean they they damn near beat kansas city what five years ago 2019 four years ago 2019 mm-hmm. and again i told you they've been in four or five nfc championship games now that they're going to be in this one so they might be the ones with two super bowls not kansas city for all we know. So, the rest of the roster is awesome. But, that is concerning right now. On to Sunday's games. Let's let's fit Sunday's yep. games in, take a break, and then get to the best and worst of the weekend. First game up was the other NFC game, Bucks and Lions. And, two teams that I think that just organizationally you just don't expect to be playing in the postseason very much. Now, at least Tampa has two Super Bowls. So, Tampa, when they get there. They are not supposed to be there this year. Right, sure. Um, but, I will tell you this. Uh, I I do want to say that I never believed in the simple takes of they had no chance to win the division. Um, Because, again, I've talked about the roster point of view. Uh, So I never bought into they couldn't make it. But to win a game, very difficult. Um, But Detroit also, from the franchise element of it, a better situation coming into the year but to then come into it as you're still the Detroit Lions and you've not been to a conference championship game in 30-something years not won a playoff game in 20-something years. Again, you this was the game about the, again, organizational, you're usually not in this position. Right.
2: <clears throat> well, yeah, I mean, organizationally, the Lions, when you just look at it, you just you feel like that, that they're not going to get it done because they've never gotten it done, and that's just what you think. But, I mean, this Lions team this year is different. Uh, and everybody, or most people, or I, I think I don't know if I want to say most people or a lot of people saw something different with them in the preseason that they were going to be problems for folks, and they have been a problem for folks. And now here we go. Um, now, as far as the uh, Buccaneers go, yeah, I mean, I thought there was a, definitely a chance that they could win the South because that South, I thought, other than the. Uh, other than the uh, terrible Panthers, I mean that one was kind of up for grab for really any of them. It could have been the Falcons, Saints, or Bucks in that one. But I think a lot of people just really poo pooed on the Bucks at the beginning, mainly because I Baker Mayfield is going to be your quarterback. Preseason, we sat here and we talked about Mayfield. I read a quote where they were like, you know, the, the biggest problem with the Bucks, the reason the Bucks won't survive, is because Baker Mayfield stinks and like bad stinks like they didn't think that they'd survive much of anything because baker mayfield is one of the worst quarterbacks in the nfl how dare you think that the tampa bay buccaneers are going to have any sort of success with that piece of crap playing quarterback for him he's been pretty good oh yeah he's been pretty yep. good um well remember i did defend him briefly and said remember
1: he was the quarterback that led the Cleveland Browns right. through the postseason. Exactly. And and now they've made it again, so they've again they've got the roster, right. but it's like twenty eight TDs to ten picks. I was like sure.
2: it's in there. I'm not saying right. it was going to come out again, but it was it like was it is it is
1: somewhere in there.
2: And then you look at the fact that he's got Mike Evans. Yep. He's got Chris Godwin. Then you look on the other side of the field at the defense, that secondary that's made up of like all the Auburn dudes. Yep, they're really good. KJ Britt came on this year and yep. had a, a fantastic season. They've got a great defense. They had the they had the offensive firepower, but just nobody thought right. mainly because right. Mayfield. Right. He was like the thing that we're like they're going to be terrible because Baker Mayfield's terrible. He ended up having a great year. Um uh, but the lions have they've got something special going this year on both sides of the ball. Uh now with them moving forward, we'll see we'll have to see what happens. They've got some injuries now that they're going to have to deal with in some critical spots. Um we'll see. But uh the lions are on this they're they've got this magical run going in there and they're feeling it. And you know, now you're looking at you know lions against uh lions against the uh, Niners. It's a very vulnerable, yeah, very vulnerable-looking uh, 49ers team. I mean, could this be the year that the Detroit Lions make the Super Bowl? I mean, I think there's a very good possibility that you might actually sure. see that happen.
1: And look, here's my thing with Detroit: is a you've got to give tremendous credit to Jared Goff because when you are being traded away from a Sean McVay team, right? Like that is probably not a good sign for the arc of your career. And he had been in the Super Bowl with Sean McVay and with the Rams, and that's how south they had gone in everyone's view. And so tremendous credit for him, tremendous credit for Ben Johnson, the yeah. offensive coordinator there, because, again, you fixed or helped fix a guy that Sean McVay was kind of done with. Right. And we all respect Sean McVay. So, again, that right there tells you Ben Johnson's got something to him. But what kept standing out to me about that game yesterday was if Jared Goff had time, he was going to make the correct decision. Someone mm-hmm. would be open. They would make the correct decision. Tampa did not get enough pressure, and therefore it didn't matter that you had Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, and Antoine Winfield, Jr., who's a first-team all-pro safety. Right. You were going to find Amon Ross St. Uh, Brown or Sam Laporta or whoever, Reynolds, whoever, uh, or Jameer Gibbs out of the backfield.
2: I was going to mention yeah. Jameer when you <laughs> give me a
1: chance. I right. mean, Jameer was – that dude good. And so – their offense was loaded. Like like you said, Tampa was top ten defensively in just about every stat, and Detroit won that game because they they were better than Tampa's defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah, the closing thing I'll say about Tampa's season was I was proud of them that they um, showed they belonged because right. tie game at 17, uh, had the ball down one possession at the end of the game, on top of beating last season's NFC champion Philly no matter how broken it was that they, they drubbed them. Like, okay, yes, you did win a terrible division, but you didn't waste your playoff spot. I mean, you were a very worthy playoff team at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and we'll see if Mike re-signs for them and and Levante David, a couple of the guys they've had for 10 years. But um, with the South being so wide open, everyone's got a chance at that top to keep hovering around it. You know, yeah. if your name's not Carolina, you're going to have a chance. Year yeah. in year out, the way that division's constructed, yeah.
2: and now we'll see what the Falcons do. I mean, I know we're kind of getting off the rails here a little bit, but you yeah. know we do have to mention the. You're mentioning the South, right? What are the Falcons going to do uh, with the head coaching position, and what are they going to do at the quarterback position? Because obviously Desmond Ritter, yeah. that, that just that's got to no. change. There's that whole rumor speculation. I talked to our, uh, I talked to, uh, I talked to Cam uh, about this uh, earlier today, about our resident huge Falcons fan. You know the whole thing of Bill Belichick being the head coach and uh, uh, Kirk Cousins being the quarterback. I'm just like, man, that adds a whole different dynamic to things. But anyway, that's that's yeah. that's the Falcons. Uh, Jameer Gibbs, uh, eight eight yards a carry. Yep, uh, Jameer Gibbs was just gashing that defense. It seemed like every time he touched the ball, it felt like he was like a hairlight, a uh, uh, an eyelash away from a. Uh, from breaking something yeah. big, and then he finally did break the big long run. Uh, he's gonna give. He's gonna give uh, the 49ers defense hell. I uh, mean, he's good. Uh, I I never like to. He's the. He went. To, he finished at Bama. He's the guy that started at Georgia, Georgia Tech. Tech. Yeah. Um. We'll say former Georgia Tech running back <laughs> Jameer Gibbs. <laughs> the laws were consistent. Um, yeah. Um. The Lions are gonna get. The Lions are going to really give the 49ers some problems. Uh, And I didn't think I'd sit here and be saying that, but, I mean, with what Green Bay did to them, I've got some questions now about the 49ers that I did not have before that game against the Packers. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And so, again, the Lions pose a threat, and you got to love it for Dan Campbell, too. A lot of of people, again, doubted the draft they had this past season. Mm, Everyone was saying it was an awful draft for them. Taking Gibbs and taking Laporta and all these guys, where they did, they're awesome, and that's helped them win. So it seems like they checked the, bo- yeah. the box on that. Uh, so they are in the NFC Championship game and Detroit Lions, NFC Championship game. That is a statement against San Francisco 49ers. And then Who last up, the Baltimore Ravens will meet the Kansas City Chiefs. Taylor Swift. Oh, gosh. Six <laughs> years in a row for kansas city i just want to point I or didn't. anyone says you know taylor really added a dynamic for them <laughs> they have been in this game six straight years they have been in the super bowl three times already if they go there or win it they've won mm. it twice there's nothing no no it just
2: no anyway chiefs and bills that was a fun football game well that was an amazing football game um no, the, the whole Taylor, – Taylor added the dynamic. No, they, they actually started kind of sucking after Taylor Swift became this fixture in their press box. I mean, uh, K- Travis Kelsey called a touchdown pass uh, in that game yesterday, and it was his first touchdown catch in like eight games or something like that. I mean, that, that doesn't happen for a future Hall of Famer uh, to go that long without a touchdown catch. and, and so But he had one yesterday. Um, I, I will be interested now to see how that AFC deal plays out. I really thought Buffalo was going to win that game. Uh, just in front of their fans, the way that the Chiefs had just not really been playing that great. And uh, Allen and the Bills had just been playing at such a high level. And they they had the players on defense. They had the players on offense. They're in front of the Bills Mafia. I was like I just don't. See, the way the Chiefs survived that. Plus, they, you know, Mahomes in his first ever road playoff game, which is crazy. Um, but they got it done. And uh, the both of those teams dodged bullet after bullet. Uh, you know, the Chiefs are going in for a touchdown, and the ball gets knocked out and goes through the end zone gives the Bills the ball back. And you're like, wow, Buffalo just dodged a huge bullet yep. right there. And, but then – They couldn't get it done. They'd try to go for it on fourth down, give the ball – the Bills go for it on fourth down, give the ball to Damar Hamlin uh, on a fake punt. Yes. Right, a fake punt uh, and get the ball in Damar Hamlin's hands. Good feel, good story there. Damar Hamlin was the guy last year who uh, on Monday Night – was it Monday Night Football or Sunday Night Football, national televised, um, went into cardiac arrest on the field. And I think most people thought was – Either he was he was dying on the field in front of everybody, or he's at least never going to play football again. Well, he's back playing football, and he got the ball in his hands on a fake punt. But the feel good story ended there because the Chiefs stopped it, yeah. and so you're like, "Dagum Bills!" And but then they dodge the Bills, dodged more bullets, and dodged more bullets. And then it was like, "Well, here we go now." Here the, that dink and dunk, those quick screen pass type plays that were just getting like seven yards of play and then they go for it on a fourth and two, and they just run a play. They made it look like the easiest play that you could possibly imagine on fourth and two. I mean, it was crazy. Drive right down the field, and we're like, okay, well, they bogged down. They're not going to get the touchdown. We'll tie it. We'll go to extra. Oh, no, their kicker, who was nine for nine on game-winning or game-tying field goals through his career, all of a sudden – puts one 20 My tee shot on the first He 120 yep. 20 seats wide right from yep. the gum goalpost like whoa that I wow yeah that was not how i i was so disappointed because I was like man we're gonna get some extra football this thing is gonna come down to the absolute wow no yeah that ball well
1: i mean there was still was 40 left I, I was of the opinion Mahomes was gonna go down and score on him and then they'd make True. it because they still in a minute 40. But you would have loved to have the chance to defend it. Yeah. And again, for that franchise, I said at the very beginning of the show, I think that is the AFC version of Dallas. Right. Now, Dallas at least does have the history of actually doing it pre this last 30 year slumber, but and where Buffalo's never won it. Right. But I mean, with the amount of snake bit and amount of times, and you just have yourself win because. They've got Allen, and they'll have Allen for for as long as they want Josh Allen. Sure. But Patrick Mahomes will always be in Kansas City. Like, you, a lot of people were were putting, I think Schefter put on a graphic of how similar Brady and Manning versus Mahomes and Allen was looking. But the difference was that the third time in the playoffs, uh, Manning beat Brady. This time, Allen didn't beat Mahomes. And so I'm wondering if this is actually going to be – like Brady or Brady versus Phillip Rivers. Right. Where Allen is actually Phillip Rivers. He's always a really good quarterback. Does some great statistical things, make the playoffs plenty of times they didn't actually do anything of, of consequence. And that's what I'd worry about for Buffalo. But yeah, the way that the Bills have lost meaningful playoff games. It's just, uh, it's just unbelievable over the years. So and, obviously everyone knows about all the Super Bowls, but yeah, well, even right, but that, even the overtime yeah. against this very Kansas City team a few years ago when Mahomes scores in a few seconds forces overtime. They get the ball, they go score Buffalo. You know, I mean, like it's just they
2: have lost unbelievable ways. Yeah, uh, three divisional rounds in a row that they've lost, and so now that's why the Bills are now. There's talk: is Sean McDermott going to be fired? Apparently, there's a big push that you know. One of those – the big push and the big thought from the Buffalo side is like great regular season coach, but the dude just can't get it done in the playoffs. I mean, three years in a row in the divisional round and you can't get it done, it's like bye-bye, Sean McDermott. We'll find somebody else that can get it done.
1: I know Mahomes is very close to unbeatable, but all I'm saying is Joe Burrow did it the very first time they met the postseason. Mm -hmm. Okay, Brady did it twice. You can do this. It is not impossible. It's very, very hard, but you can do this. And McDermott, who is supposed to be a defensive guy, remind reminder he's right. former DC. Like you're getting victimized by one of the weaker Mahomes offenses that we've seen. Right, like, this offense did not was not great this year, Mm-mm. and they had lost and, most of their star and talent. They didn't do anything well defensively. Again, Kansas City really should have 34 points because of right. fumbled at one yard line. Pacheco ran ran down their throats. Mm-hmm. Mahomes, everything was wide open. Only had a few incompletions. Right. Like it just, you did nothing well defensively, and so I can see the argument. I'm not necessarily all the way there, but I think it's a valid argument because teams do this. If you don't actually have the Lombardi tro- trophy in your trophy case, but you continually showcase a great regular season team that can't get to a certain point in the playoffs. Some teams do this. Philly nearly did it with Sirianni. They were in the Super Bowl last year. They are going to keep him, by the Mm -hmm. way. But he's won 36 games in three years and gone to Super Bowl, and they nearly fired him. Yeah. So, of course, McDermott should at least be getting some questions because when are they going to actually do this with one of the top five QBs in the league?
2: Made the playoffs six of seven seasons. He's won 73 games in seven yeah, regular seasons. great. Sure. But he's five and six in the playoffs. Sure.
1: And so I'm not saying the dude's a bad coach. He is a good coach. And if he got fired, he would get another job pretty quickly. But Falcons. you just you, know, <laughs> you just wonder if you need a different voice. Just someone just to get you that extra ounce. And uh and to be fair, look, Allen's not blameless either. That mm-hmm. last sequence was bad. After the two minute warning, the second and nine, Stephon Diggs is wide open underneath. And yeah, it's not him. some scrub, it's Stephon Diggs. Yes. Or the guy is open that he threw to the end zone. I think it was Knox. It might have been someone else. Bad throw. Really, really poor throw. Got
2: bumped. Got, he yeah. did get bumped. He wasn't sure. able to get, but 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 his but, mechanics were already uh, screwy. Because yeah. uh, we were looking at it, and we're like, dude, did he just throw that off of his back foot? And it wasn't quite back foot, but he, yeah. he was not set. He was not anchored. It was just a yeah, it was a bad yeah. throw, bad inaccurate throw. Yeah. And the, but the guy was open in right. the end zone. If he just gets it there and puts it on him,
1: and then third down, down con- leaves the pocket the wrong way misses someone else in the middle of the field who may or may not got gotten the first, but that's not kind of the point. The point is you get at least five or six yards, and if he makes someone miss, he does get a first down. Sure. Instead, you throw the ball away. You got nothing. It's just like it's too just – again, for for who we believe him to be and the company he keeps in the top of this league with quarterbacks, I just don't think Mahomes or Burrow has that happen to him. Right. Maybe not even Lamar. Maybe Lamar can run or do, do something. I just those were two rough plays for Allen back to back. And again, you, you when you have that many close calls, kind of everyone has to at least be questioned a little bit. And even Josh Allen, as great as he is, again, that was that was a rough moment for him. That was a rough Ooh. sequence. And it set up a kick that you should make. I get it. But also you were kicking the tie with a minute forty. Still could have lost because he didn't score the touchdown there. Yeah.
2: So I uh, will say this before you go to the yeah. brick. It's not a conspiracy. It's not a setup to get Taylor Swift and all of them on TV in the Super Bowl. There's no conspiracy theory. The Bills just lost.
1: Yeah. It's the Bills, trust me. Yeah. I'm going to be fascinated about the Ravens matchup. though. see that Ravens D against Patrick Mahomes, so that's going to be great. We need to go to what will be our final timeout of the show when we come back. Best and worst of the weekend. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call and Tiger Mm 95.9.
0: If you want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call.
1: Welcome back to this Monday edition of Sports Call Tiger ninety five point nine. Ryan Lavoy and Tom Peavy with you here as we start to wind down this Monday edition of the program. Last five, six, seven minutes, something like that of the show today. So we want to go ahead and get to a segment we do each and every Monday time for
0: best and worst. Now, time for the best Woo-hoo! and worst. No. No! No! Of the weekend. All right, let's start with
1: worst. Tom, what you got?
2: Oh, man. I You know, honestly, I got to say a worst of the weekend has got to be Tyler Bass's missed field goal uh, okay. for the Bills. Uh, I'm happy that that's my worst because that means I had a good weekend. Um, yeah. But still, uh, worst because I really was hoping that game would basically not be over at the 147 mark. I was hoping that... They would at least give Mahomes a chance to drive down and and do something or go to overtime something and and you know just the fact that the guy had been so clutch. I mentioned the fact that the dude was like nine for nine in his career on game winning or game tying field goals. And I mean, this was a what a forty two, four, three,
1: something like that. About forty five.
2: About forty five. I'm looking at it now. About a forty five. But still, a kick, a, a kick yeah. that. Everybody, if you're kicking in the pros, I mean, hell, if you're kicking in college, that 45 is, you better be 100%, you know, from 45 yards. Um, and, you know, you're just not expecting a miss like that. And, all, and I mean, ooh, Shank. So, yeah, did not, it made, it made that game it, what was such a great and entertaining game. Just sucked the wind out of it and just kind of left you void of excitement. Yeah, it, was like, it felt more like someone man. lost it than someone won. Yeah. And for such like, a great game man. to that yeah. point. Like I say, it's like, oh, man, I, that game was so good. I don't want it to end like that. Yeah. Like, at least give me some kind of something. But, no, shanked field goal with a minute 47. It's like, pfft. That's kind of the Ain't, Buffalo Bills franchise. Thanks a thing. lot there, Tyler
1: Bass. Anyway. My worst was also NFL playoff game. I touched on this Maybe on the show already? I don't know. But I did not go into detail about it. Uh, it was the Buccaneers and Lions. But it was a coaching decision, of which I, don't, I try not to criticize over the top one. But this one got me. I was watching the game with friends, and I fell to the floor in angst, or in anguish, because they did not do this. I don't know how many people actually noticed this, because... Clearly, Detroit didn't, which is what set this up. Detroit was taking knees after Baker Mayfield threw his second interception of the game, what appeared to be a game-ending interception with a minute 40. Do you know what I'm talking about, Tom? Do you know where I'm going with this? this could, okay, See, no. See, not no. everyone realized this. The Lions start kneeing the ball. They knee it on first down. About 9 or 10 left on the play clock, and they need it again second down. 9 or 10 on the play clock, and they need it again on third down. There's 35, 36 seconds left. Guys, the Buccaneers still had a timeout. There were 36 seconds left in the game. It was going to be fourth down, and Tampa Bay had a timeout. They did not take it. They let the game expire. That would have caused Detroit to have to kick a 49- or 50-yard field goal with 36 seconds left. If they make it, the game's over. If they miss it, the Bucs get the ball at the spot of the kick, which would have been about the 40-yard line, with 30 seconds left. I cannot believe for the life of me. And Todd Bowles was asked about it. Finally, someone figured it out in the postgame press conference. And he said, well, we thought it was such an easy field goal range that they would make it and the game was really over. Clearly, Detroit had forgotten Tampa Bay had a timeout left because they were kneeing it with more than one second left on play clock. Like If they had need with one second, it would have been 10 to 15 seconds left when it got to four, fourth down and then – you call a timeout with 12 seconds left, then you're really down to like a kick and a play. You would have been up against it. But Detroit had no idea. Detroit had no idea it was uh, that the Bucks still had a timeout. And so the Lions end up kneeing the ball. Yeah, uh, again, I'm con- confirming it again. They need the ball at the 31-yard line. That would have been a 49-yard field goal with 35 seconds left. And Todd Bowles did not call a timeout and make them kick that. Yeah. And, again, if you miss it, the spot of kicks about the 40-yard line, 30 seconds. At bare minimum, you have a Hail Mary. You're already at the 40-yard line. Mike Evans is really big and really good. I like the Bucs' Hail Mary chances slightly better than other teams. It's still like a 1% play, but it's a percent as opposed to the zero. So it marred for me what I was – otherwise, I was completely content. They were a little better. Bucs hung around, gave it a good shot. Fine. Didn't heartbreak, didn't get squashed. That's fine. But inexcusable to say the season's over when you can make him at least kick a 49-yard field goal and right. see if the season's over. So I thought that was a horrible decision by Bowles and kind of emphasize why he's always going to be one bad season away from getting fired because he's still yeah. – no one's going to accuse him of being a top coach in the league. Although he's a great defensive mind, but inexcusable to let the season expire when there's still 30, 35 seconds left. So that was my worst of the weekend. Don't if you've got over a point zero 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 one chance,
0: why not? It's yeah, keep, kickers
1: missed all weekend. Keep fighting. Yeah. Kickers missed all weekend. Who knows?
2: Anyway, so that's my worst. Best of the weekend. What you got? Best of the weekend was just spending the weekend in Mobile, Alabama with uh, Michelle and all of her friends. And I mean they are my friends, but I mean they're my they're my friends because she's friends with them. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean just a great time hanging out down in Mobile. Uh, We went down Thursday and uh, got to spend Friday doing a lot of the museums um, that we have not done in the past few years. I think this is the fifth or sixth year we've gone down there, but we normally go on Friday. And so Friday, we don't really have a chance to do anything. And then Saturday, it's pretty much, you know, knock around for a little bit, get dressed and go to the ball. This year, we went on Thursday, so we had all day Friday, hit up some of the, uh, the historical museums and everything right there around Mobile. So that was fun get dressed up in my nice little white tie and, and coat-tailed tuxedo and uh, do the whole ball thing and hang out with some great folks and just have a good time. Heck yeah. It was fun. I'm it glad was, it was It fun. was cold, but it was <laughs> That's fun. fun.
1: That's the biggest thing. I'm glad it was a great time. It was. Uh, my best of the weekend is something I can't recall ever happening. I'll probably forget about it that it happened this time too and therefore not remember if it ever happens again. I could not have had a more perfect basketball fandom weekend. It's not no. possible for me. Here we, and it includes women, too. Men right. and women's sports here. Men's and women's basketball. Absolute perfection. Here we go. Auburn men, dub. UAB men, dub. North Carolina men, dub. Alabama men, L. Duke men, L. Yep. Auburn women, W. UAB women, dub. North Carolina win, women, dub. Alabama women, lost to, to Auburn. Auburn. And then Duke women L, wow ten for ten. I was so not winning anything on Sunday. I knew the Bucks were so, dead. <laughs> but could not have had a more perfect basketball. It, could, it cannot be better than that. No.
2: no, <laughs> yeah. no, that doesn't happen. And how about the dude from Pitt after they knock off Duke and Cameron jumps up on the yeah. scores table and yeah. is like just taunting their fans. There's a lot of middle fingers in his face, but uh. And, and, you know, kind of like at Auburn, I mean, the the Cameron Crazies, they're right on top of the court. So, Yeah, there were were most – It's not (laughs) not like he was way far away from the fans taunting them. No, he's like literally standing in their student section taunting them. Yeah. It was Uh. a
1: choice. I think it's someone that's not going to have to play there again. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, again, I admit that I would be pretty ticked if I was a uh, partisan of the losing team there. But – it happened to Auburn against no, I, Marshall Ole Miss, I, Henderson. Marshall yeah. Henderson. No, I knew yeah. Where are you going? Yeah, so it's happened before and it will happen again. That's what I would say to that. And you winning Cameron Indoor, you feel like you that's deserve to celebrate.
2: Auburn? Yeah. So, look, I'll, this North Carolina fan was very pleased. <laughs> I will, th- you know, I will throw another worse out there. Just since we're talking sure. about basketball, uh, the the Ohio, the very scary situation that happened in Columbus, Ohio, where their fans were rushing the court after they knocked off the Iowa women team. And the uh, student running out collided with uh, Caitlin Clark in there. Yep. Yeah, I knew it was Caitlin. Caitlin Clark. Caitlin. Caitlin. Yep. Clark. Ugh. Um Scary situation there. It yep. um, kind of almost makes you wonder if you know that. Well, did you Is see- it an event like that that makes people go? We gotta, we gotta quit people from storming the court because you know one of the biggest stars in basketball just got knocked on her butt by well a fan. Did you see the slowdown of that? It looked like a flop. I'm going to say they, they you they zoomed
1: in and slowed down. Right. And you see that girl that hits Caitlyn try to go to the Tried side to, yeah. while Caitlyn kind of just keeps going into it. Right. And I'm just saying that's not it, – it did not look as egregious as it might have first appeared. I agree that that is the argument for why people do not want the right. court, uh, court storming, um, but that was – it was at – at very minimum, not intentional.
2: It, well, it, and, was, it was definitely yeah. not intentional. Yeah. They, they, and people are, you know, immediately people started dogging on whoever that was, you know, you know, you piece of whatever from Ohio State, blah, blah. blah. But no, if you watch it, that, that person tried to veer. I, I just think that person was running. I think mm-hmm. Caitlin Clark didn't realize like which way they were going to go. And I mean, they just, it was an accident. They yeah. ran into each other, but that's, Part of the reason, like you said, why they're you know trying to keep people from storming the court, storming fields, is because you do still have athletes and coaches that are out there trying to get back into the locker rooms, and you end up with with it's situations. It's almost like, like we that. could
1: just get them off. Give it. Give me thirty seconds to let get the on, players clear, and then storm, and then that and really and then open would be the, the best gaze. deal, right? Sure. But. We're never smart, and we have so, to go to extremes, and that's. I'm glad I got yeah. to brought. The, I'm,
2: I'm glad I got to bring that yeah, up, yeah. and uh, as as part of the worst of the weekend, because that was very scary when it happened. <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, real quick, sports Call nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. North
1: Carolina versus Wake Forest men's basketball, six o'clock on ESPN. From the Dean Dome, you got McNeese State, Texas A&M Corpus Christi at six o'clock on ESPN. You will Wade's the coach of McNeese State, by the way. Cincinnati number seven, Kansas at eight, women's college basketball number two, UCLA number sixteen, Utah. At 6 on ESPN2. That is Sports Calls Nightly TV. I presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Tom Peavy, thank you very much for being here on the show today. We'll see you again tomorrow. I will be here. Again, remember that it is a shorter show tomorrow. We'll be off air around 5 o'clock. As always, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in for today's show. For Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan Leboy. Have a great Monday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.